everybody, welcome back to Pack Talk Podcast number 67. And today we're talking about a different topic. Mm. Um, but I was I was given an order mm. by Colonel Prindle. You know who that is? Oh, yeah. We had him on the podcast. And after that podcast, he told me that uh, I have to tell my story. And so I'm taking his orders. He wasn't asking. He wasn't asking. He was telling. Giving you an order. He gave me an order. Yep. And when the colonel tells you to do something, you got to do it. Absolutely. So I'm here today to talk about my story, my origin story, which we've interviewed a lot of people, veterans, other dog trainers, fitness individuals, personal trainers, and uh, we've gotten their stories. And so Colonel Prindle told me it's time to tell mine. So that's what we're here to do. Buckle up. But I will say it is weird to talk about yourself. Yeah. And Ben's here to kind of help guide, make sure that I... Tell say accurate it. information. Say, say, say what yeah. needs to be said. <laughs> you know, that's the good thing about having a brother. I can hold you accountable. And with that being said, uh, you know, Ben is my brother, and I am Ben's brother. Mm. That's how We're that in works. business. We work in the same business together at mm. Canine Revolution Dog Training and here at Pack Talk Podcast. And a lot of people say, don't go into business with your family and friends. Mm. And for us, fortunately, it's worked out up to this point <laughs> yeah we'll see how the next year goes <laughs> but you know ben is my brother if you know canine revolution dog training kevin one of our trainers is my cousin mm -hmm. and then if you know canine revolution dog training chris mm. is basically a brother to us He's we all grew up together me ben chris kevin mm -hmm. you know obviously we have a very large team which i'll go into the details on the different people on that team later um, but you know, they say, don't go into business with your family and friends. We're in business together and it's worked out for us up to this point, you know, uh, maybe because we're able to communicate clearly, mm -hmm. maybe because we respect each other. We do have talks. Yeah. We got talks. If, all right. If we need to, we have talks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have talks. All right. <laughs> I've had to talk with Ben a couple of times about being on time. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, uh, you know, not even going to deny that, you know, it is what it is. I've had to talk with, uh, Chris and Kevin at times about other related things, but cleanliness for Chris, <laughs> cleanliness, Chris gets a little smelly. <laughs> he forgets. He doesn't like to take showers. He's old school, real old school. But, uh, you know, when we have those conversations, we try to be respectful and I think we do a good job of understanding each other's perspective. And so that's why I think it works out for us up to this point. We'll see. We'll see what happens we'll in the see. future. Mm -hmm. We're also all motiv all motivated to do what we need to do. Yeah. Right? So we're motivated to do our different tasks and different roles, all supporting the big picture and the big mission. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I yeah. think that, that is what helps us. Yeah. Um, but a couple of things I'll be talking about today is uh, since I've gotten into dog training, I've become super interested in psychology and how events through our lives impact us as we mature, right? Mm -hmm. So things that happen when you're a child or things that happen when you're younger, they do impact you psychologically uh, later as you mature. So I'm going to try and connect some dots of stuff that has happened to me. But I also try to get some of that story from the people, the other people that we talk to by getting some of their backgrounds, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go into detail on a bunch of stuff, but just a couple of things that popped to my head. But uh, I'll jump right into it. Growing up, I grew up, or me and Ben, 
originally from Goose Creek, South Carolina. Yeehaw. Which is close to Somerville. And mm. now they call it Historical Goose Creek, South Carolina. That's the full title? And you know why it's historical, which we learned about in another podcast we recently did, episode 65. Blackbeard. Blackbeard. Mm. Blackbeard's actually from yeah. Goose Creek. Yep. So it is historical. And we are historic Goose people. Creek. We're historic people, People apparently. from Goose Creek. <laughs> historic Goose Creek. So we grew up in Goose Creek. And uh, as rednecks, <laughs> shout out to all we, the rednecks. We lived out in there. a neighborhood. We yeah. were not rednecks. <laughs> no, but Goose Creek, yeah, notorious for yeah, Goose the Creek country boys. Some rednecks in it. Mm. But I uh, grew up in Goose Creek. Went to a uh, private school growing mm. up for a portion of the time. Then homeschooled. Then went back to private school. I think I was just homeschooled. I don't think I went to the or early no, elementary. You didn't go to early. I don't think so. Really, I went to elementary school. For a portion of that, then was homeschooled. Then I went back to private school at like tenth grade. So mm, you must have been seventh like grade for me. Seventh grade. Yeah. Holy. Cow. That's when I started. Holy cow! That was <laughs> younger than me. Yeah. One thing that did happen to me at early private school elementary uh, was uh, a scenario, uh, and this is locked in my brain for some reason. So it goes back to the psychology of events through our lives that impact us. But I was bullied on the playground by a bunch of the kids in my class. Mm-hmm. I was trying to play like some kind of game with a ball where you throw the ball into the funnel and then it spits it out mm-hmm. one of three ways, yeah. if you remember that kind of game. But uh, I don't know, like a playground. Yeah. But anyway, all the other people, all the other boys that were playing with me, they all started like shoving me and, and verbally saying things to me, you know, that were upsetting. Or I don't remember everything mm-hmm. that happened. I just remember the yeah. scenario. Yeah. So anyway, then I would after that scenario happened at, at recess, which is where that happened, I would just go hang out at this tree. Yeah. With another guy. That's the tree. The hangout tree. <laughs> the hangout you got tree. that spot as kids. The hangout tree. <laughs> so I don't know how all that affected me as a young person, but I do know that I think that helped me to develop in not really caring about what people say about me as I went on mm. in life. And that's something mm. that people have mentioned to me. Like, you just don't care what people say about you. Like, I literally, I literally don't care. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm yeah. just doing my thing. Yeah. So I don't know if that is something that impacted me in that. Uh, situation, but I do think that bullying is happening today with a lot of kids, mm-hmm. and I probably think to it, a higher, higher well, level, yeah, to a higher level. Yeah, and you know that wasn't a private school, um, but I'm sure at public school it's probably worse. Well, I'm just thinking about it all the online bullying. Well, there's online bullying at the same time too, of yeah. the school. Yeah, bullying, so it's, you know? it's all. Yeah, you know, but it de- definitely affects the psyche of a person, yeah. an individual. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So teaching young people how to how to have confidence or or to try and not care about what people are saying about you or how to handle a bullying situation mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. Build, developing that confidence building that confidence to be able to hold up against those things and usually people that are bullying are typically probably going to be some type of insecure person yeah they have some form of insecurity or maybe they're bullied at their house by their parents or something who knows Right. Mm -hmm. But I think that's definitely something that's going on in today's world. And like you already said, we have cyber bullying and then we have in-person bullying. So how to navigate Mm -hmm. those, you know, how to deal with those, if those things happen to you, Mm -hmm. you know, but other things I was doing as a kid, I was on the swim team, which there are some pictures of me in a speedo. Oh yeah. (laughs) I've seen it in real life. (laughs) You have seen the speedo in Uh, real life. Not a sight you want to (laughs) see. You know, being on the swim team, like you go to swim practice and you swim laps and all that, but uh, 
you go to a swim meet. You remember those? Oh yeah. Where basically you're just sitting at the pool mm-hmm. and they're like, "Hey, it's your turn." It's your, you go, oh, you, okay. Yep. You go swim a lap and then you're like, "Okay, that's I'll go. it for the whole day." <laughs> yeah, and then you just sit there for another three hours. It's awesome. <laughs> it's crazy. It's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> it's an awesome way to waste your time. <laughs> you're just basically sitting there playing games with your friends. Yeah, it's so weird too it's because you're weird. in like these weird little group areas. Yeah. There's a whole yeah. bunch of schools there. You're all it's it's parents schools it's a you're, you're crowded in one little area yeah. around this big you know hopefully big pool yeah you know, hopefully it's got <laughs> enough space if it don't you're outside the the gate yeah oh, you yeah. know sitting on the front lawn but it is a very weird uh sport to be in yeah. because of that yeah <laughs> you know what I'm it saying? is a little strange <laughs> but i mean i guess you got to do what you got to do i yeah. think it's the same way for like cross country running or whatever mm. you know yeah you all got to gather yeah yeah well, yeah, did the swim team. Ben did the swim team. Yeah, I did something for a little bit. For a while. And then I did it again when I was in high school. Yeah. Same coach, Dave Jones. Oh, yeah. Dave Epic. Jones. Legend. Legendary. Legend, dude. The thing about Dave Jones is... Uh, David Jones. Which he's still in the area. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, he's, he's around. He's a former Green Beret, but his handshake... Oh, dude, his crush it. He purposely tries to just dominate you and crush <laughs> he your does. hand. He it's does, bro. He does. It's definitely an <laughs> alpha move. He definitely does it. This dude grabs your hand to shake your hand. He's like, hey, how's it going? But your hand is getting crushed. Yeah. And he just he wants to see you <laughs> in show pain. pain. Yeah. That's what he wants. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, he doesn't do the grab and the pull. Oh yeah, where he pulls you in. Yeah. you know, like the tr- that's what Trump does. Grab your he pull does, you in. Well, Dave Jones does the grab and just crushes. Yeah, he just that's yeah. all he needs. That's all he needs. So for a while there, when I was younger, I was obsessed with building up my forearms to try and do that to people, but <laughs> really? I just never got to his status. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how do you get your hands to that level? You know, you just got forearms, dude. Forearm Forearm strength. The forearms dude was for jacked. Days. The dude was an Iron Man guy. Yeah, he's hardcore. He's jacked. Yeah, but uh, anyway. Did the swim team, also did soccer, also did the football team. Oh, yeah. Now, the thing with soccer, before I go into football, was... <laughs> Chad didn't know the rules. I didn't. I don't know any <laughs> soccer rules, and I was just running around and uh, just smoking people. It was essentially like it, football like it was for football. Chad. I like just American red football. flags yeah. or yellow flags. The cards, and, red cards. Yeah, cards. Yeah. <laughs> still, then still the coach would the never play me. They just yeah. have me on the bench the whole time. <laughs> when they needed someone to get pushed over, you know, they they bring you in. You're the hitter, you know. You're the you're the the so the then big the truck then there. the football coach recruit recruited me. He said I should play football. This is my senior year. Is yeah. when I discovered I, that I actually liked football. Yeah. And so I went and played football. And at first they're like, "Oh, you're like a military type dude," because I was the kid walking around yeah. high school with the high and tight. Oh yeah, I remember. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> I want to be a Navy SEAL when I grow up. <laughs> that was Chad's personality for most of high school. So I go to the football team, and they're like, you're going to be a receiver because you can run. Because I would run all the time. Yeah. I was a skinny kid. And so yeah. went out to do receiver training, couldn't catch a football. Yeah. And I was slow, super slow <laughs> as far as like sprinting. All the guys. other fast guys out there, yeah. And so then they were trying to figure out what to do with me. So then they put me on defensive line. And oh, that yeah. was where I shined. That's where you went. Just meant the to head be. hitter right there. Oh, baby. yeah. All the big boys on the line. <laughs> you got to be me. big psycho maniacs <laughs> down there in the trenches. Me and Jacoby Singleton. Oh, yeah. And uh, a whole bunch Josh of them. King. Yep. Bunch of guys. A whole bunch of them. So anyway, did the football team. Maybe before you continue, but there is a picture out there what? where Chad they they ended up going and winning state championship yeah. that year. There's a, a good year for him to join, but they had the the team. They went to the state championship and won. Yeah, and before the game, 
Everyone on the team shaved their hair into mohawks. Yeah. And Chad did a double mohawk. Yeah, I did a double mohawk. Maybe we can find a picture out there and put it on the Instagram whenever this episode comes up. But, uh... Yeah, you got to see that picture. I did the double mohawk. mohawk. <laughs> it's really weird. The whole team was like, we're going to do a mohawk. I was like, I got to do something different. So yeah. I was like, I got to do double mohawk. <laughs> <laughs> so we did the double mohawk. We did win state. We also won state in the swim team when I was on the swim team. So mm. Two also, rings. One thing about the swim team, that's where I met Coley Crosby on the swim team. Because mm. that was my first year back to uh, school. Yeah. They're like a real school. Yeah. And so... Dave Jones knew I was coming back to school, so he hit me up. He's like, hey, you need to join the swim team. I was like, all right. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, doing the swim team, I would run from our house to swim practice, carrying fins on my back, and Coley Crosby's like, you're crazy, bro. Wait, you would run from our house to yeah. swim practice? our house in Hunter's Woods. In oh, Crowfield. so not that far. It's like three miles. Dang. Run three miles to swim practice. Why? Do swim practice <laughs> just because yeah. I wanted to be crazy, I all guess. All right, all right. And uh, so anyway, did that till Dave Jones told me I had to stop running because he needed me to swim faster. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was going to say, you're burning yourself out before you even get to practice. But Coley Crosby's like, you're crazy, bro. Yeah. So then he was like, I'm going to hang out with Chad. <laughs> I like the crazy guy. I'm going to hang out with the crazy guy. So now. I did that. Anyway, all good team sports enjoyed the uh, camaraderie. You know, especially on the football team. I oh, yeah. really enjoyed the football because you're weightlifting, mm-hmm. you're running, you're sweating, you're doing hard physical work. You got this goal to achieve of getting the quarterback, which I did get him multiple times oh, on yeah. the defensive line. Mm-hmm. And apparently Brendan Gilbert remembers me crushing him. I don't remember that at all. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Brendan was probably – he was like ninth grade, Yeah, I think. He was moved up from JV to varsity yeah. and when the playoffs hit. He was and, a stud. Yeah, but on the field with all y'all, yeah, he was, he was so small, small bro. But I mean, he yeah. was a he was a bullet. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. He would yeah, he would a light a dude up. Yeah, he still is a stud. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. And in college, he was like jacked. Yeah, he's jacked at Clemson. Yeah, he's ripped. with you. And yep. you and him shredded. have some memories. Dude, dude's been shredded. <laughs> dude's been shredded uh, the whole time I've known him. Well, also, like he said on this podcast, you lit him on fire. I did. I totally forgot about that. Or he lit himself on fire for your video. I mean, <laughs> I remember right when he started talking about it, I remembered it, but I had actually <laughs> forgot about that. And then when he started talking, I was like, wow. Yeah. I cannot believe we decided to do uh, that. Yeah. Definitely didn't tell our parents. <laughs> Just like, hey, let's light each other on fire. You know, light Brendan on fire. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, that was a good time. Our teacher was not happy about it, though. She uh, gave us an A, but. There you go. You know, <laughs> you got the A boys. That's all that matters. Yeah, yeah. A couple other things we also did was Royal Rangers, which we mm-hmm. was like a Boy Scout type thing, where basically you go out in the woods, you camp, you tie knots, you get a cut and chop card. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to go through a, a course to get this card that says you're able to use a knife and a tomahawk and a hatchet and all this stuff yeah. and a saw. Yeah. So lots of certified, good, certified. That's right. <laughs> and if you mess up. You get a corner cut off, and yeah. if you get all four corners cut off your cut and chop card, yeah. your card goes away. You got to go through the course again. Get your card revoked. Yeah. <laughs> but one of the things I remember from Royal Rangers is like doing the campouts after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So cold. Super. So freezing. Cold. You'd you have to get the, the, ca- the sub the, the oh, yeah. sub temperature. What do you call it? the uh, freezing temperature? The freezing temperatures. Yeah. Sleeping bags. The oh, cocoon yeah. ones. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're sleeping on the floor. It's still cold. Yeah. You're free. I yeah. I could. I hated sleeping. <laughs> that was the worst part about the camping trips was sleeping. 
Well, if you were, I was uh, so miserable. If you were uh, privy to Mr. Randy's setup, he had some heaters. Yeah, some well, space he's cheating. Heaters. He's cheating. That's cheating. I'm old school, boys. <laughs> well, you go outside to take a leak in the middle of the night. It's cold, oh, boys. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's cold. You know it. So doing crazy campouts like that, and also what we would do on those campouts, me, Ben, Chris, who's one of our trainers, and then Bryce, who's in the army. Sneak around and Josh. Yeah. Josh doing uh, a couple of us, yeah. Dress up in camo. We mix it up a Sneak little around bit. the campground. Yeah. Do crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that Navy SEAL mindset. <laughs> then something else I was doing was sea cadets, and Ben was a sea cadet too. Hated it. For a while. Hated it. I did it for a year, I think. <laughs> but it's it like an ROTC thing. Mm-hmm. And basically during the summer, you go away for a couple weeks to training or a boot camp, and Ben went to boot camp. <laughs> Bro. That's the moment I knew the military was not for me. The day that I got there, I knew the whole freaking two weeks I was there that it, this was not my type of thing. And it was miserable every single day, bro. You don't like the military uh, I was just, I, Yeah, it was just miserable. Yeah. It was just the, everything about it just not for me. Yelling, early mornings, watch. You know, they made you do watch. I literally slept on the uh, the dryer one time. While I was running, because during it was, watch, yeah, because it was warm, <laughs> and uh, it was freaking miserable, bro. Well, during the summer, you'd go off to to these different training camps. Yeah. Then during the year, you'd spend one weekend a month on the Yorktown. Yeah. Did you ever do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I did it for you'd, like a year. You'd sleep on the Yorktown. Mm-hmm. You'd stand watch on the Yorktown. You'd do these classes or yeah. whatever. So if you're into it, pretty cool. Yeah, if you're into it, it's cool. I'm I'm hammering it hard. But I remember mind. whenever I was uh, 14, I went to a to a summer training in Chicago, my first mm-hmm. time flying. Mm. And I remember mom and dad told me when you get to the airport in Chicago, it was a nonstop flight. When you get to the airport in Chicago, you have to go to the closest payphone and call us to tell us you arrived. Yeah. And so <laughs> this is before cell phones and all that. Yeah. So I get there, I'm like, I ain't calling him. Oh, no, oh, lordy. Oh, lordy, day one. <laughs> We're making bad decisions. So I hook up with the training people, and they take me to the Navy base and all that. And then anyway, Mom and Dad call them. And so then they like, what the hell, singer? Oh, did you they, get in trouble? Oh, yeah, they called me to their office. I had to call Mom and Dad from that phone in the office, and then they were What'd you say? They say, hey, why didn't you call us? Yeah. What'd oh, you say? Yeah, like, I was like, oh, I didn't know what to do or whatever. <laughs> I didn't want to call him. I don't know. I'm lost. Give me a break. I was overwhelmed in the airport as a 14. It is a lot. First yeah. time going through an airport. The airport for me still is a little overwhelming. It is like, crazy. What do I do? I don't really like flying because the airports are crazy. Yeah, I spent many a nights in an airport. So have you. Yeah, I slept in the Miami airport one time. That was awesome. So anyway, that's kind of, I'm trying to think of other things that happened growing up. I remember, uh, let's see homeschooling years me ben and andrew would be at the house by ourselves and we'd just be playing games legos whatever. baby legos be playing legos a lot of legos legos that was the game of choice legos were money the money maker oh yeah for the uh for the star wars, wars legos star wars, star wars legos wars. any legos pirate legos oh yeah good legos are just good overall yeah yeah really good <laughs> i remember uh being homeschooled and this is might be why we were no longer homeschooled but mom was in the front yard doing some kind of yard work. Mm-hmm. I was in the homeschool room doing like Latin or whatever. And I knew where she kept the answer keys. Ain't so no just, way. Ain't no way. I would just get the answer oh key Oh my out. God. You didn't know this? No, thing. bro. Are you serious? No. <laughs> 
You didn't know this, bro? Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know. Holy shit, The dude. answer key? I would, I, I would legit get the answer key and just copy it on my test. <laughs> oh, my God. And mom caught me one time. And that was pretty much the end of homeschool, I'm pretty sure. Was it really? I'm pretty sure if my memory Dang. Uh, serves so me So that's right. why we went down with this shit, mom. <laughs> you ruined it for all of us. <laughs> this dude ruined it for all of us. Shut the school down. <laughs> I don't remember that. I don't. I, I don't even think I, I was might aware have been of too that. Young. I don't know. I don't even think I was I aware remember of that vividly. She was upset. Vividly. <laughs> she I was mean, you're upset. cheating on your tests. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that wasn't. Latin doesn't matter, boys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Then you went to high school and had to take Spanish 101. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Struggled through that too. <laughs> oh yeah, that was rough. Uh, anyway, so that was kind of growing up. <laughs> Any details that I missed through high school that you remember? Mm. Uh, nah. I Significance. mean, nothing of significance. Oh, I guess whenever I was a senior, they made me the uh, school what? president. You remember that? I was going to say treasurer president. What do they call that? School the council? S- yeah, something like that. And the thing is, I don't even know how I got into that position because I didn't want it. Did you apply? I don't think so. You had to have. Did I apply? I don't know. Uh, you're asking the wrong person. I was three <laughs> grades, grades below you. <laughs> Somehow they made me the middle and high school president. Really? They call it school council president. Really? You know I'm talking How'd about. that go? I don't know. I just going with it, you know? Did you have any meetings or anything? Oh, or yeah. The oh, yeah. Responsibilities. The assistant principals and, uh, let's see, had to, had to make sure the fundraising events were going as they were supposed to. And every class has their own student council. Yeah, so I was like, that's what I'm saying. Those student councils, like the senior class councils, the junior class council, whatever, you know. That's crazy. So I don't even know how that even happened. Hmm. Do you remember doing that? I think uh, you had to apply to run, or someone nominates you. Yeah, I think Uh, I think someone in the faculty might have nominated me or something. I'm not really a you know, I'm not an office politics guy. I'm saying I kind of steered away from that. But I was uh, that was interesting how I ended up in that role. Yeah. So, yeah. And <laughs> take anything away from that? From that experience? Nah, I don't really remember it other than a couple of fundraisers I had to do. Yeah. So, interesting. Anyway, that was that was cool. Yeah. And uh so then, well, I will say that in high school I wasn't very good academically. Like I always mm. struggled Preach. academically. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Preach. And I would always have those talks with mom and dad. I had to have a C on the report card and mm-hmm. be getting the talking to. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't remember exactly what the rule was, but yeah, these are above B or above. B or above, yeah. yeah. When for me, D's make degrees. You know what I'm saying? And so. college, yeah. <laughs> I get, yeah, uh, so, you know, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, left high school, went to college, went to the Citadel in South Carolina, like mm-hmm. I've talked about on other podcasts. Yeah. Went on a Navy. ROTC scholarship, which basically means that the Navy is going to pay for a portion of your school. They don't pay for the whole thing, at least not for me, probably because my academics. Really? That's not what I was told. What were you I saying? was told before I went to college, they the military pay for everything. I think, the Ar- I think the Army does. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't think the Navy does. Or maybe some of the things at the Citadel, like the boarding, they don't pay for some of that stuff. Maybe it's because it's the Citadel. They pay, I wonder for, if they you, pay for like the yeah. base pay yeah yeah whatever interesting so i didn't get my whole tuition covered or my whole college experience covered by the navy rotc scholarship but then you commit to doing eight years in the the navy and you can do four active four reserve right Mm -hmm. if you wanted to yeah but i was like i'm gonna do 20 or 30 years yeah that was my plan yeah so anyway got that scholarship went to the citadel and uh 
started off as a physics major and mm-hmm. I started off as a physics major because in the Navy scholarship program, you have to choose a technical major. Physics. So I thought physics is cool. I enjoyed physics class in high school where you basically oh my just God. playing around in the that room. That was my worst class. Really? <laughs> physics and chemistry. Uh, what was his name? Lock, uh, Whitlocker? Uh, Mr. Whitlock. Mr. Whitlock. And then there was the other, there was a gir- lady. I, I didn't have know. a lady. Miss Strickland, I think, or something. I didn't have her. I just had Mr. Whitlock. Oh, man. But Dude. I enjoyed that class because you're just doing experiments. So I was like, I'll yeah, do yeah. physics. I'll yeah. major in physics. I could do that all day. You good at math? <laughs> so I told Mr. <laughs> Whitlock, I said, oh, I'm majoring shit. in physics because of your class. And he was like, what? <laughs> He's like, this is not like real physics. Oh, shit. <laughs> he was like, hey, you not. Yeah, he was nah, like, nah, I don't nah, think nah, you nah. understand. This is not like real physics. And I was like, oh, it's fine. Yeah. So I go to college and my first semester, horrible. <laughs> horrible. Well, Why? First of all, I'm a knob, so I'm tired all the time. You don't have time to study. Well, you don't have, or time. you don't have time to rest. I didn't have, to, I didn't know what to do. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, because I'm into like the Citadel military side of the stuff, but I'm not into the academics. Yeah, and so I'm like, oh, I don't have to do this homework. I just won't do it. Yeah, I go to class, I sleep, no one cares, no problem. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> I've been there a couple of times. So my first semester, I lost all because I had other scholarships like the. Boys State Scholarship or whatever. Yeah, yeah, Boys State. You have mm-hmm. to maintain a certain GPA. I lost yep. all that. Dang. My GPA tanked. Dang. Like below one or whatever. Dang. The Navy calls me, in, my Navy person, officer in charge of me, calls me into their office. You have to fix your grades. Dang. Like you're in trouble, basically. Yeah, yeah, I have yeah. to go to study hall and all this stuff. Holy cow, bro. <laughs> the Navy got you. That was my first semester, bro. That but sucks. as a knob, I was a good knob. You know, yeah. from the Citadel side of the house, but from the academic side of the house, I sucked. Yeah. I do not like academics. I'm just not a good college or whatever, you know. Just education. Right. Type thing. Curriculum. So I changed my major from physics to civil engineering, mm-hmm. civil and environmental engineering, because number one, it was technical. Number two, you didn't have to do foreign language if you were an engineer. Oh, so yeah. I was like, That'd I'm getting be... out of that foreign yeah. language. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the foreign language was getting you, huh? <laughs> seems like well i tried to change to like athletic sciences which is like fitness mm-hmm. exercise science yeah. the navy said no really you got to be technical they so. need you smart <laughs> they need you smart they don't want dumb people joining <laughs> the navy so then i went into civil engineering and i did a little bit better but i still struggled with a lot of courses but i ended up like getting through that still a lot of math though right yeah calculus one through four holy i failed cow. calculus one three different times Bro, I, believe I even it. took it every summer. I was taking summer classes at like College of Charleston at the Citadel and online mm-hmm. at different colleges to try and catch up because there's so the civil engineering <laughs> curriculum is like five years of coursework put into four years. Dang. So like you're 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 stacked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every semester is like twenty three to twenty five credit hours, which is crazy. Yeah. Because my roommate Ben Easley. He's criminal justice. He's got like 12 credit hours. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I got 25. I yeah. got more than twice. That is crazy. All my buddies that are doing athletic sciences and all that, yeah. you know, they got 12 credit hours. Yeah. I got 25. Yeah, I mean, you're in a smart degree, bro. <laughs> it's crazy, bro. Engineering, physics. I mean, you're going so, down the wrong path. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, you so, know, maybe not the best choice. So I did that, but then I realized second semester, knob year, so my freshman year, that if you go and you study with the teachers in their offices, that even if you have bad grades or if you suck, they'll still pass you. 
because you're putting the time in because you're like showing up to yeah. their office hours and talking to them and mm. building relationship so that's what i did the rest of my time there <laughs> that's how i passed yeah that's how i got through college. hey honestly though that's how you work college like yeah. for anywhere just talk to your professor a lot and like ask them questions about the like course or whatever and yeah. like they'll be like, oh, maybe well i would also the citadel has like, i forgot what they call it but they have uh like a area where you go there's tutors in there yeah. you can go and they'll tutor you so i was doing that too i was mm. doing everything dang bro you know what i'm saying dang. i was going ham putting the hours in and i also had to learn that during after dinner you don't go back to your battalion to like your room your dorm room basically yeah to do your homework yeah. you have to go to an academic building because then you'll be away you'll be distraction free because mm. my roommates will be playing video games yeah yeah they having a good no time homework. yeah i got all this crazy freaking homework yeah. to do. Yeah. you know what i'm saying dang <laughs> that's the worst part about it man but as a knob from the citadel military side of the house i was good to go blitzing my brass yeah yeah doing that all. part you're good i was having yeah. a good time doing all that i was getting pt'd by upperclassmen i was loving it <laughs> you know yeah they were bullying me <laughs> hell yeah i remember uh one time well make uh, me do push-ups yeah, sir please lots of push-ups lots of push-ups oh, yeah. but uh Anyway, so I told this on the podcast with uh, Colonel Prendel, but anyway, I got in trouble my knob year because my roommate was struggling on the military citadel type side of the house. Yeah. He was a smart kid, but yeah. uh, anyway, so I was getting in trouble because of him. So one time I went up to him and, and kind of told him off. Yeah. And so then he I, he went to the TAC officer which is like the adult in charge of all yeah, the yeah, students yeah. in that Yeah, the barracks. one guy in control of like 100 and kids. They, they, they got me in trouble for, uh, they call it a battalion transfer 120 tours, BT-120. Mm-hmm. So I got in trouble and I got transferred to a new battalion. So I left my company that I started with, which was Papa Company, 5th Battalion, which I was super proud to be part of that company, got transferred to Oscar Company, 4th Battalion, yeah. known as the Zoo. And uh, at first I was not liking being there, but then I became a zoo boy zoo crew yeah lots of monkey noises yeah. in the zoo yeah <laughs> i remember you and naked zorro naked zorro naked zorro oh yeah who's that it's a senior that runs around <laughs> naked with a mask and a, and a sword <laughs> only in the zoo holy holy these guys these military guys you gotta watch them the citadel has a lot of uh good traditions at it holy so anyway i went to transferred from Papa Company to Oscar Company, 4th Battalion. I was like a special case, so I'm getting visited all the time by upperclassmen who are wanting to PT me and talk to me and all this. And my roommate, football player, dude's getting just yeah, crushed yeah. all the time. Too many people coming in. He can't. Yeah, he can't. <laughs> he was a super nice guy. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, finished out that year, ended up getting the passing GPA, which was like 25 to maintain my navy scholarship and like stay out of trouble yeah yeah which yeah. is still low gpa 2.5 hey <laughs> c's get degrees get or d's get degrees you know that's that that's that bracket yeah so then anyway i wanted to be cadre which is like for my sophomore year i wanted to be cadre which is like the upperclassmen that trained the new knobs coming in mm-hmm. but i got denied because uh my the trouble that i was in yeah so anyway it's sophomore year or that that summer, I went off to Navy training where I did uh, like four weeks of training with the Navy as a as a midshipman, and I think I did one week in aviation, one week in submarines, one week on surface ships, and one week with the Marines. And they're just basically trying to expose you to all the different possibilities of things you can do. Mm-hmm. 
So anyway, go back to the Citadel that fall. And I do remember during the summer breaks, I'd be working out in yeah. the mornings at the gym down the road from our house, which the neighbor, Tim, worked at, Big Tim. Oh, yeah. He worked out yeah, there. Yeah, Big Tim. Yeah. And so anyway, go back in the fall to the Citadel for my sophomore year, roll in there. Basically, that first semester, I was kind of like lost. Mm. I think that, that first semester, I don't – oh, I do remember who my roommate was. Um, but Ben Easley at the time, the guy I became really close with at the Citadel, he got transferred from F Troop for whatever he got in trouble from. So me and him were kind of like hooking up as buddies, Yeah, you know, hanging out as buddies. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, we were like the guys that were transferred into Oscar from other companies. But anyway, sophomore year, first semester – I felt kind of lost, you know, because I was transferred from a different battalion, didn't have a lot going on, mm-hmm. military side of the house, because I wasn't a knob anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I was hanging out with a bunch of just random people. Yeah, just battalion. like you don't have a place. Yeah, you're hanging out. You know what I'm out. saying? Yeah. So uh, I actually thought about transferring to a different college because I was so upset that I was not able to go back to Papa Company because mm-hmm. I did try. Yeah. But anyway, then second semester – Sophomore year, me and Ben Easley were both promoted to company clerk, which is like the highest ranking sophomores in your company. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so got pretty stoked about that, carrying the guide on in parades. Nice. Basically in charge of the sophomores. And then me and Ben Easley would uh, uh, handle some knobs. Yeah, knobs yeah. handle them, push-ups. <laughs> push-ups and, so and more. We, we uh, actually got very, very close with the knobs that we were training, you know, at the time and uh got super tight with those guys yeah but that semester uh my company commander me and him had some kind of disagreement yeah and so i went into his room one one evening and trashed his room (laughs) and then i got in trouble for that (laughs) i wonder why (laughs) (laughs) and uh so i trashed his room got in trouble for that got more tours and so yeah, yeah so i got in trouble again a lot of walking Still academically struggling, but I was doing my game plan, meeting with the professors, going to the tutoring, staying out of my room at nighttime to study in academic buildings, and I was able to maintain that GPA I needed. But then <laughs> my appendix burst that Oh, dude, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. So I remember this. So I was like, I felt sick to my stomach after dinner one night, so I lay in my rack, which is my bed, and I lived on the top rack. Ben easily had the bottom rack. And so he's like... You don't look good, bro. And I'm like, I just got to lay here. Yeah. So I just laid there. Yeah. The next day, the the people that would routinely just come hang out with us in our room, they're like, what is wrong with you, dude? You don't look good. Dang. They're like, your face is pale white. And I'm just like passed out. Holy. So Ben wakes me up. He's like, hey, you need to go to the infirmary. So I go to the infirmary, which is right across the street. Yeah. And they're like, oh, you have a stomach bug. Stomach bug. You're excused from class today. Stay in here and sleep. And they hooked me up to an IV. Mm-hmm. So did all that. Twelve hours later, they're like, "All right, time for you to go back to your room," and I'm like, super uh, foggy, out of it. I'm out of it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm yeah. like stumbling back to my room. Holy I was like, crap, I'm, I'm not bro. good. And they're like, "You need to go back to your room." Mm-hmm. I was like, "Okay." So I go back to my room. It's like in the evening. Stumble back into the room. Cra- crawl back into my bed. Go back to sleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then later, I crawl back out. Go back to the infirmary. They say, hey, we're sending you home to get better. So they send me home. And then basically I remember just laying in my bed and all of a sudden screaming. Dad yeah. picks me up, yeah. takes me out of the car, takes me to the hospital. And I remember that part. Was, I was home that, that <laughs> night. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, shit, something happened because uh, 
<laughs> this is not normal, bro. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Based on your your normal behavior. So they took me to Trident Hospital. They didn't look at me till the next day, or I don't know all the details of what happened, but they basically just loaded me up on Dilaudid, which is a crazy pain killer. Yeah. The next day, they're like, your appendix is burst, which is bad, obviously. Yeah, yeah right. Because <laughs> now there's like gangrene in your body and, and pus pockets everywhere. So they go in, they start removing stuff, but I'm in the hospital basically for like a month. At was it really a month? I think so. Um, sure. Yeah, I don't remember the time. Table. It was a long time. Dang. I'm in the hospital. I wonder how long your appendix was burst for. Was it yeah, just I that one it, night that you went like home? it was like a day or something. They, they they said I was like hours away from dying because that gangrene gets in your body, it can kill you. Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking if it burst at the Citadel, bro, you were there for like two days and you stay at the house for one, that's like three days. If your appendix burst, <laughs> it's if, crazy, uh, bro. If you catch it like when it's happening, you, it's easy. Mm-hmm. Before it bursts, if you can get it out, it's yeah, like yeah. not a factor. But once it bursts, you're screwed. How are you supposed to catch it, though? Just based off of how you feel. Bad, they, yeah, yeah. they do an x-ray or something. Yeah. Dang, that's so cool. anyway, I just remember being in the hospital for a long time. I'm pretty sure it was like a month. Mm. I'm also thinking about my school because I'm like, holy cow, am I, are they going to push me back a grade? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah, yeah. now I'm delayed. All your progress. <clears throat> and I remember that the uh, the Navy ROTC professor of military science, who's basically like the head honcho of the Navy at the Citadel, he's a Marine colonel, he shows up walks into my room i'm puking into a trash can he's like you need to get your freaking grades up singer and he walks out that's what he said what the hell this dude did not like me oh shit because i kept getting in trouble yeah yeah, you know i'm saying and my grades sucked holy crap (laughs) so he shows up he's like hey get your grades better see you later that's it not like that (laughs) well yeah but he's like get your freaking grades up see you later Yeah, oh, yeah. That's he, such a weird appearance. He was not happy. He did not like me. But I think he was like just showing face that he sh- visited me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, like know. someone told him to go there, probably. Maybe. Hey, go here, show up to this. But he's, uh, the, head, yeah. he's the head honcho. Hmm. I don't weird. know. That was a weird it interaction. Was, it was weird, but that dude did not like me. Did not like me because I kept getting in trouble. And <laughs> <laughs> hey, my grade sucked. Yeah. So anyway, uh, got through the appendix thing. I go back to the Citadel. And then... Like a week later, my stomach's killing me again. Mm. So they so they send me back to the infirmary, and this time they sent me to MUSC. Yeah, and they found out there was more pus pockets in my body. Dang. They had to go in operate again. Really? Yeah, I was there for like a week or however long, at least a couple of days. Then they sent me back to the Citadel with the hose coming out my butt cheek with a bag. <laughs> oh, the, I remember this. The pus is draining yeah. out. Oh, yeah. So there's a tube that goes into your body through your butt cheek up uh, into your stomach area. And then there's a bag that hangs off the side. It's basically stitched to your skin. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and you got to, like, so funny. drain this bag every day. It fills up with nasty Ew. pus. But I can't do it because it's behind me. So my roommate Ben Easley Damn. is draining it every day for me, bro. He's dedicated. Shout out to Ben He's Easley for One taking of the care of me doing that shit. Jeez. I don't know if I could do that. That's so nasty. So I did that for a month. I'm walking around the Citadel with crutches, going to my classes. Yeah. Here and, comes old Wobbly. And that uh, yeah. professor of naval science, the colonel, he'd be singer. You've getting better. Are your grades up? What the every hell, time dude? he sees me, dude? Jesus, I'm like, oh my god, that dude hated me, bro. Yeah, <laughs> this guy's deal. Sees you struggle on the street, <laughs> walk straighter. <laughs> One of those guys. 
so then that rest of that semester, I was basically not doing much of them. I was still like having some knobs come visit me. Yeah, yeah. You're but uh, <laughs> you got the little the little minions. But uh, other than that, basically was just focusing on grades. Was able to pass that semester, which they were on the edge of like cutting me because they were mm-hmm. like, "You've been out of school for too long." But I was busting my ass trying to make up all that schoolwork. How'd you catch up though? Like learning, learning was legit. Just visiting with the teachers every oh, single day yeah, outside yeah. of their hours. Yeah. And I remember the one class I didn't know if I was going to pass was surveying, and he ended up passing me with a D. I was like, thank God, mm. you know? Hey, D's get degrees. You know that same. class was freaking hard. Really? Surveying? Yeah. Like where, it's a lot Is math. it the guys with the tripod? Yeah, and they, oh, yeah. They're like on the streets. Took, you see them I all took, the time? Oh, yeah. I took two semesters to survey. Really? I was. I just thought they were taking Colonel pictures. Colonel Dion. Colonel D. If you're, <laughs> if you're a Citadel civil engineer, you know who that is. Colonel D, boys. <clears throat> Super hilarious guy. Yeah. Good to go. He looks kind of like the uh, fisherman aliens off of Mandor <laughs> episode yeah. eleven. But yeah. uh, <laughs> that's funny. Good comparison. Anyway, so went left that sophomore year. I was excused from summer training for the Navy sophomore summer because I had to catch up on so much schoolwork. I took so many. Uh, my whole summer was classes. Went back to the Citadel junior year. I was recovered from the appendix. So I was good to go. This is the year that whenever, if you want to be a summer all guard, Mm. when you're a junior, this is when you're trying out for it that whole year. Yeah. Right. So I knew that's what I wanted to do. And the summer all guards is basically a silent drill platoon at the Citadel. It's 61 members of the summer all guards. That's why the number 61 (laughs) means so much to us. Yeah. But anyway, so it's a cult (laughs) rolling into that, you know, it's like knob you're all over, but you're a junior. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 And the summer all guards are your upperclassmen. So I knew I was going for that. I had recovered from the appendix issue. I had put on weight again because I had lost all my weight dealing with the appendix. Yeah, yeah. Know? Trained you. Yeah. So I would built back up my endurance and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, my academics were on point. So I would caught up academically. So going into junior year, doing all this stuff, um, the Navy told me, do not do the summer all guards. My Navy advisor said, do not do the summer all guards. Focus on your academics. And I was like, I'm doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there ain't no way you're not doing it. Yeah. yeah. So I was keeping it low key mm-hmm. whenever I was around them. But uh, <laughs> basically uh, that year, you know, the first semester from a what is called as a BVA, someone that's trying out for summer all guards from a BVA perspective, you know, the summer all guards are inspecting your uniforms and they're going to ask you random knowledge. You have to greet them, all this kind of stuff. So I was doing that. I did want to do the cadre, which is the people that are training the knobs um, that first semester, but I didn't make it there again because of my previous history of getting in trouble. They didn't want someone that had that history training the knobs. So I ended up being like an upperclassman platoon sergeant, Mm. which is like a staff sergeant. And uh, I was just hanging out. They pulled the files up on you. Had a good time at that point. At that point, I was basically done with like messing with knobs because I was focused on the summer all guard stuff. But I do remember on Friday evenings when there's a Saturday morning inspection the next day, basically you have to clean the whole barracks like top to bottom. So I had the knobs out doing a sweep detail. And these two kids from Tango Company, they walked back into the battalion later that evening after they went out to grab some dinner. They came back because on Friday night after parade, after everything's done, upperclassmen can leave. Yeah, a little free time. Come back. Yeah. So they came back. They had some Chick-fil-A trash. Mm. Actually, I was a senior at that point. So that, that I'll t- save that story for later. <laughs> but anyway, junior year, I'm doing the BVA thing. 
academics are okay, get into second semester, junior year, doing the full out summer all guard thing where you're doing the, your classes. As soon as classes are over, about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, you change into your BVA training uniform, which is green pants, uh, BVA shirt, and a Citadel sweatshirt, and your rifle and your gloves and all that, mm-hmm. Chuck Taylor shoes, running around, doing PT, doing all this crazy stuff. When I was going out for a squad called Death Squad, which is known for their physical training, made it into that squad. Um, so did all that, made it into the summer all guards trying to figure out if I'm missing anything still doing the academics during that time I was like just balls to the wall the up early studying I'd have to go to Navy PT in the mornings going to going to class prepping all my summer all guard stuff doing the summer all guard stuff after that recovering doing my homework so I was basically sleeping like three hours a night yeah every night that's great yeah. for the brain crazy Lots of caffeine. Yeah. Caffeine pills. Oh, yeah, that's sold. what we resorted to, they huh? Sold the them coffee they, didn't they, cut it. They sold them in the cadet store. Holy Caffeine God. pills. <laughs> <laughs> so do all that. Make it through that. Make it to the summer all guards. Make it through the academics with the GPA maintaining mm-hmm. acceptable levels. All right, all right. <laughs> as long as we're at that line. I'm still doing the uh, teacher uh, open offices. Call it hangout sessions I'm at this still point. Doing the, I'm still doing the, the tutoring availability. Yeah. At this point, I'm also, uh, we've built like in the engineer, because when you're a junior in college, basically you start focusing on your, uh, what they call it, your major. Yeah, you yeah. focus on your major classes. Yeah. Like your freshman and sophomore years are all what we call core classes. Mm-hmm. So you're mixed with a bunch of random majors. Mm-hmm. Junior and senior year, you're focused on your, major yeah so most of your classes are going to be with the people that are in your major yeah so what we would do is we would have times to meet and we would all work on the homework together oh really and yeah and someone might be uh you know stronger in one subject but weaker in another so we could all balance each other out interesting and then we had uh as an engineer you had to work on uh, i think it's called autocad which is an engineering computer Mm -hmm. program you had to go to the engineering building work on your projects on this computer program so we'd all meet in there do that yeah we go uh a couple of us would sneak off campus to taco bell oh yeah buy a couple taco bell taco box taco box oh yeah oh yeah bring them back feed everybody we'd be in there all night you know pulling all nighters (laughs) the boys with the taco bell not even kidding yeah we do that on friday night saturday night sunday night nice legit because the engineering projects are freaking crazy yeah so did all that uh, I remained a platoon sergeant the whole time through uh, junior year. Coming back as my senior year, I wanted to be cadre again. They denied me again because of my history. Dang, <laughs> I got the f- the paperwork pulled up on so you. I never got to be cadre. But yeah. between junior and senior years that summer, I went off for summer training with the Navy, and they sent me to I believe I believe it was Jacksonville, Florida, and they put me on a frigate, um, and I was basically part of ship's company for a month. Yeah. So basically, uh, was basically seeing what happens when you're in the Navy as a, what we call a surface warfare officer. And I, you know, I was like, if I end up on a ship, 
I'd like to be on a frigate because I liked how the frigate was like a small, tight knit crew. Mm-hmm. And the the officer that I was basically shadowing for that month, super chill, super cool. Yeah, yeah. And he was like the, uh, I think he was the commo actually. So anyway, did that. Was there with several other midshipmen, and the guy that I was hanging out with the most, his name was Arnold. And Arnold was a crazy guy. Oh. And he was from every uh, guy named Arnold is. He was from another military school called Norwich, which is up north, I think, in Vermont. And yeah. so, of course, me being from the Citadel, him being from Norwich, we were a little psychotic. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Oh, the two crazies <laughs> found each other. Yeah. <laughs> and so one That's night. That's going to be good. One night, me and Arnold, we go out on the town. And, uh, there we go. It, down in Florida or whatever. Yeah. And so we're walking back to base from the main strip where all the bars are at and all that. Mm-hmm. We're both uh, pretty intoxicated. Yeah. And uh, Sauced up. Yeah, we're walking back and all of a sudden... Arnold just keeps disappearing on me. I'm like, where the hell did Arnold go? Yeah. It's like 3 a.m. right now. I'm like, where the hell did Arnold go? Yeah. And then next thing I know, I realize he's laying in these bushes <laughs> in these people's front yard <laughs> as we're walking by their house. Didn't make it. I'm like, I run over to him. I'm like, wake up, wake up. We got to go back to the shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to make it back. He's like, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm like, well, let's walk back. Getting and a little grumpy. Yeah. And this happened constantly on the walk back, dude. This dude's <laughs> like. just wanted to lay down. The dude would literally <laughs> run away from me. I'd be like, dude, I can see you because I was watching him at that point. Yeah. And jump into the bushes and literally try to sleep. <laughs> Holy cow, bro. He just loved bushes. <laughs> Love sleeping in bushes. This guy's got a bush thing. <laughs> I was thinking about Arnold doing that. Yeah. Crazy. This is what you get when you put the two crazies together, by the way. You got people sleeping oh in bushes. Oh, my gosh, dude. So me and, me and him made it back to the ship. We're good to go. We went underway a couple of times, which means you go out to sea. Yeah. And uh, they made us go out to sea one time because there was a hurricane coming. So we saw the hurricane out in the middle of the ocean. We oh, went shit. around it. It was kind of crazy. Really? So anyway, did that. Came back to the Citadel for senior year. Was the uh, was a uh, upperclassman platoon sergeant, which means basically, or not platoon sergeant, platoon leader. So I was like the senior in charge of a bunch of upperclassmen, hanging out doing that. Was a summer all guard, so I was doing that. And then, just like when I was in high school, how they made me the student council president, the yeah. Navy, uh, Navy ROTC detachment decides to make me the detachment commanding officer, cadet commanding officer. So I'm like, what the heck? I didn't want this, you know? So they yeah. throw me into this position, maybe because they were like, this guy's got a bad history. Let's throw him into a leadership position. I don't know. So anyway, I did that. How do you get in these positions? <laughs> you get elected to office without yeah. even running. I know. Yeah. And then the civil engineering department did the same thing. For what? What'd they you, made me the get? president of the American Society Civil Engineers Citadel Student Chapter. And you're the one that is struggling with I'm the grades. I'm struggling academically. They like, make hey, me their This president. is our guy. This is our guy right here. <laughs> the dude with the C's, put him at the top of the list, baby. And uh, if any of my fellow civil engineering students remember that, you know, it's like, what the heck is Singer doing? Yeah. I think they were all, I think they all wanted me. I don't know. <laughs> so I was trying to do my best as, uh, academically, trying to do my best as a senior platoon leader in the company trying to do my best as a Navy detachment cadet commander and then trying to do my best as the American Society of Civil Engineer president. I'm like, holy Did you shit. ever have the option to say no? No. You I think, I think They're the just Navy, telling you, hey, this is I what you are I think the Navy, now. I tried to say I don't want it, and they said you're doing it. <laughs> and then the, the president of the civil engineers, I was like, I don't think I'm a good choice. They were like, yeah, you're the best choice or whatever. All right. Sure. 
the good thing about being in the uh, American Society Civil Engineer student chapter president is you go on these trips with like a engineering faculty yeah and then you have four other cadets that are like with you on your staff or whatever mm. so we went to montreal canada for oh, an nice. engineering conference that was cool that is cool we went to clemson for hey. an engineering conference and let's just say that was my first time <laughs> being at a regular college yeah how was that outside of the <laughs> citadel during college time yeah so like college was in session yeah so all the students are there. Yeah, so we went down oh, to yeah. Tiger Town. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, I know Tiger Town, boys. And we let it rip, boys. <laughs> and it got crazy. Yeah. And the one thing I do remember is uh fish goldfish races. Yep. You put a gutter on a table, you fill it up with water, you put goldfish in it, and you put a straw in the water, you blow it behind them <laughs> to make them race down the gutter. I don't know how I, that was the only thing I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I do remember showing up to the civil engineering uh conference hung meetings over. hung over as fuck <laughs> yeah sounds about right yeah and uh so anyway i do remember going to a conference with coley crosby mm-hmm. at clemson and coley remember he was at on the swim team with me in high school oh yeah he went to the citadel too oh yeah so me and coley are at this conference we decided to walk back so we walk back to the hotel from tiger town or something yeah cop pulls over we're like oh my god are we about to get grabbed right now <laughs> What the hell? And it's like it's four in the afternoon or something. We're we're plastered. We're uh yeah. You're toasted. We're uh, walking sideways. If you know yeah, what I'm you're saying. toasted at four p.m. And the dude's like, "You guys need a ride?" We're like, "No, no, we're good. We're yeah, good. The yeah. hotel's right up here." He's like, "Okay." He drives off. We're like, "What the heck just happened?" <laughs> just trying to give you a ride. Were you guys in uniform or anything? No, we were just, nah, in just normal clothes. Normal clothes. Yeah. <laughs> That's weird. So anyway, I went to also went to USC for a conference that was crazy. Yeah, I remember. For some reason, this just popped in my head. Me and Kyle Fry at uh, Clemson going ham. <laughs> That's all I remember. <laughs> Clemson is, uh, they know how to get down up there, you know? But also, when I was a junior at the Citadel, I roomed with uh, Greg Smith and Kyle Fry. You remember? Oh, Greg? yeah, I remember. Greg. I remember Big Greg, boys. <laughs> or Greg. So, anyway, back to senior year, doing all this stuff. Um, was starting to train BVAs. So, I, I, instead of focusing on knobs, I was focusing on making sure the BVAs got their proper training in. Oh, yeah. Sure. But, but also backing it up a little bit, the summer between junior and senior year, our buddy Bryce was coming to the Citadel as a knob. Mm-hmm. So guess who I called <laughs> to get him in my company? Huh. Casey Stabile. Oh, yeah. Because Casey Stabile is a big wig cadet-wise, mm-hmm. and he had connections to this. Pull to, the strings. To the president of the college and the commandant. Like, he was the kid everybody liked. I yeah, was yeah. the kid everybody hated. <laughs> yeah. So I called Casey. I said, hey, I got this guy. His name's Bryce. He's coming in. Are you able to get him into our company? Because Casey was an Oscar. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> Later that day, he texted me. He's like, he's in. Yeah. <laughs> Dang. Dude's got the power. Yeah. 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 We had him on the podcast, nice. episode 61. Oh, yeah. Good episode. And uh, so uh, anyway, Bryce ends up in Oscar company. So I was the like, zoo. Oh, yeah, boys. Yeah. So, of course, I trained him a little bit, but also gave him some pizza. Got to come all right, all right, yeah, all right. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so went through senior year, did the summer all guard thing. We went out, we we did Mardi Gras, which oh, yeah. was crazy. Create me, Rob McRae. <laughs> oh God, you know Rob was he's a behemoth. So Rob, behemoth. Rob, I want to get him on the podcast one day. <sighs> one of my best buddies, but uh, he's a giant. Yeah, he's giant. No, literally, this dude eats ice cream and pizza. He's like, like six burgers. four, six five. And he's jacked and shredded. Yeah, no matter what. I've never seen him not eat. <laughs> I've never seen him not eat. 
So we go to Mardi Gras as a summer all guards. We're marching for like 13, 15 miles in the parades. Yeah. And then we, they cut us loose for the evening. Yeah. So Rob's like, let me show you what a hand grenade is. <laughs> oh, God. So he takes me down to Bourbon Street. Yeah. Gets me these drinks <laughs> called hand grenades. Yeah. And it's basically like a slushy vodka something. Yeah, just a bunch of stuff. And, and me and Rob and the other summer all guards are with, we're just going ham. <laughs> and then one of my buddies, Patrick Nugent, He's on the streets, and he's mistaking uh, individuals for other individuals. Oh, shoot. Uh-oh. <laughs> so that was entertaining. But uh, so anyway. We, <laughs> no more stories from Mardi yeah, Gras, nah, boys? Nah. Well, uh, nothing PG. Well, related. you would think at Mardi Gras. It'd get a little more out. Well, everyone, everyone thinks at Mardi Gras there's, like, naked girls and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually more naked dudes than there are girls. All right. Dudes with their pants off. Okay. I don't know what the all deal right. is. So you hung out for a while. <laughs> But anyway, Bourbon Street was wild, you know. Yeah. Uh, hanging hanging out with the Summerall Guards doing that. We also did a a uh, performance, one of our uh, Summerall Guard performances in Disney World, Epcot. That was oh, cool. Oh, yeah. That's cool. I think we did two of them. And then we just did a bunch of random performances. So basically, the Summerall Guards will go around, they'll travel, and they'll do their, we'll do our silent drill platoon yeah. performance, where there's no talking or anything, it's just marching. Mm-hmm. And you can look it up on YouTube, it's pretty crazy to watch, it's super cool to do. Yeah. Good experience. But anyway, finished up senior year, when we got to our, from the Navy side of the house, selection on what we're going to do, I got selected to be a SWO EDO. And what that is is a surface warfare officer, so basically an officer on ships mm-hmm. or surface vessels. EDO is engineering duty officer. So what that meant is I would do four years as a regular SWO on a surface ship in the fleet, two at one command, two at another command. So I would swap where I was working at basically yeah. after two years. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I would go to the engineering duty officer community where basically you don't do that anymore. Basically, you're engineering ships and systems that ships use or different systems that the Navy uses for the Navy. So actually, my senior year, my grades got really, really good because mm. my I had crushed a majority of the classes I had to take sophomore, sophomore summer, junior year, junior summer around my summer trainings. So senior year, I had less classes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had like 14 15 credit hours instead of 25 yeah so i was able to actually do better and i ended up making dean's list and all that my last year yeah and got some kind of engineering award which i was like what the hell how am i earning all this stuff yeah, yeah stuff's just happening you're like okay yeah and so anyway <laughs> yeah uh got that surface warfare officer engineering duty officer job in the navy which i uh, was happy about because there's a billet for that back in charleston Mm. at Spay War. So I was like, I'll go out in the Navy, do my thing. I'll end up back in Charleston. Then I'll be going other places. So yeah. I'll be able to be here for a while in the Navy. Yeah. The plan still do 20 or 30 years. So basically graduated uh, college on a Saturday, got married on a Sunday, mm-hmm. went to my honeymoon the week after that. After that, me and my wife, Lauren, moved to California. All right. So we just drove across the country. Yeah. We stopped at a couple places along the way. Las Vegas. Oh, yeah. Caesar's <laughs> Palace. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Yeah. So what happened? I remember here? me and Lauren were at Vegas. <laughs> All right. So tell us. <laughs> we get there. We're like, we're not getting a taxi. We're walking down the strip 
during the day. Right. And if you've never been to Vegas, it's freaking hot. Yeah. It's like you're in the it's middle desert. of the desert. Yeah, literally. So we're walking down this thing. We get like a mile down the strip. We're like, what the hell are we thinking? Damn. You know? <laughs> Scorching. So we finished the walk. We got down to this whatever clown show or something. Yeah. <laughs> got a taxi back. <laughs> Probably sunburned by the end of that walk. Went to Vegas. We went to uh, Boulder, Colorado, visited our friends, Michael Lucky, uh, Caroline Lucky, Rob McRae. Mm -hmm. They were living there. Big Rob. Did that. Visited uh, the Easleys and uh, Ben Easley and his family in Kentucky. Stopped in St. Louis. So we went to all these crazy places. Yeah. Went. Finally made it to San Diego. We tried to figure out where to live at. We lived in uh, Otay Ranch first. We got a little apartment there. Facing the mountains, you could see the mountains. Yeah. And uh, so then I went to walk on to my first ship, which was the USS Gary, mm -hmm. which is a frigate. So I did end up getting assigned to a frigate, which is what I wanted if I was going to go into surface Navy. Yeah. So I remember walking up. The First of all, that night before I was to report, I drove onto the base, kind of scoped out the base, mm. made sure I knew yeah. where I was going. A little intel. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. A little recon. Then you show up to your first ship and you're dressed whites with your folder and all this stuff and you report for duty. Mm -hmm. So I show up, there's a big dude on the quarter deck, which is where you enter the ship at. Yeah. And, uh, I'm like, oh, ensign singer here reporting for duty. Yeah. And you know, in the Navy, when you're an ensign, you're nothing. Oh, you really? Know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you think you're an officer, but you suck. Yeah. You're, you're at the bottom saying? of the, of the bucket, buddy. Yeah. So me and a bunch of other new ensigns are showing up. We're checking in. We're getting situated. I'm told my job is to be commo communications officer, and that was my first job. They got assigned. Yeah. Which basically communications officer, you're in charge of the radio men or the IT men, information technology, and you're in charge of the ship's communications and computer systems. Yeah. So that's what you're in charge of. Yeah. So then they send me to a couple schools to learn that job. And then, uh, basically just kind of going into daily routine. I'm basically trying to figure out what the hell I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like, uh, acting like you know what you're doing, but you have no clue inside your head. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I feel and, like everybody, uh, everybody does that for their first real job. I feel like. Except I'm an officer. I'm supposed to like be, in you're charge. actually supposed to know. I'm supposed yeah. to be in charge. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Yeah. I don't know anything. Damn. And, uh, like at, at the Citadel, they're like in the summer trainings are trying to like teach you stuff but you don't have any idea like why it's important is and it accurate a, or is it not even not right, even not, not even, even that accurate. accurate it like gives you a little bit of information yeah yeah so i show up i'm like holy shit and one thing i did learn is like uh let your senior uh non-commissioned officer which is in your senior enlisted guys let them show you and teach you right yeah yeah, yeah. so i go to my chief and the first chief i ever had was like a hardcore like crazy dude don't bother me type guy yeah, yeah you know yeah, what i'm yeah. saying Leave me alone, yeah. and he's about to retire oh uh, so he anyway. doesn't so care he doesn't yeah give a he doesn't flying care. crap yeah you know yeah, what i'm yeah. saying and so anyway i'm not learning much from him so i go to the first class and they're trying to teach me stuff whatever they're cool yeah and i'm basically just like buddies with them yeah. you know they say like don't do that you know but i am uh like just kind of like going with that like yeah. i'll just be buddies and we understand that i'm like the officer and they're like the first class or whatever, but we all got different jobs. We just respect that. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And my job was basically to represent those guys to the captain and the other officers on the ship. And their job from my perspective was like, Hey, let's just, you guys do what you need to do. I'm not going to bother you. 
tell me if you need stuff, you know, I'm going to represent us to the captain and all that. Yeah. And so that for me, that worked out really well. Then we ended up switching chiefs, got a new chief. He was, a, he was a lot better. You know, he started trying to teach me stuff, but he was also like, had some, from my perspective, like this officer doesn't know anything. I'm just going to take over. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. So he kind of just did his thing as a chief. Yeah. And I still had that mentality where I'm like the officer, you know, I'm representing you guys to the captain and all that, right. still taking care of stuff that I need to take care of from an officer perspective, but letting them run their own thing. Mm -hmm. And I'd be like, Hey, we do our work for the day. We get out of here. Yeah. Cause a lot of the ship was like, when you're in port, you just show up in the morning unless you're on watch or on duty. So on a Navy ship, there has to be a certain amount of people on that ship. Yeah. Every single day, 24 hours a day. That's what right. we call on duty. Yeah, yeah. So you'd have a 24 hour or 48 hour duty. Mm -hmm. Then you could go home the next evening yeah. after work's over. And if you're not on duty, you show up for the work day, you go home. Mm -hmm. But in the Navy, depending on what ship you're on or what command you're in, the culture's a little bit different. So the culture at first for our ship was you're there at 7 a.m. You ain't leaving till 7 p.m. Mm -hmm. So you're working a lot. Yeah. And so, uh, I would let my guys go early, like right? Two p.m. Before three p.m. So. Oh wow! Oh, yeah, five hours. Oh, yeah. And I'd uh, I'd like trickle them out. I'd say, hey, so and so can leave. So and so, you got to like trickle out. You can't all leave at the same time because people will pay attention and like, hey, 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 where are you going? Why Why is Combo's guys leaving? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So then, anyway, also whenever you're a new ensign showing up at a surface ship, you have to get qualified. So they give you a big binder full of like papers you have to get signed off and get qualified on all these different positions that's fun to earn <laughs> your surface warfare insignia which is like your your uh, your pin yeah, surface yeah, warfare yeah, yeah. qualification you yeah, have to yeah. do all this stuff yeah so i'm trying to work on that at the same time i'm trying to learn how to be an officer at the same time i'm trying to learn my job as an officer so figuring it all out yeah <clears throat> so anyway i'm letting my guys go early you know and that helped build good rapport with me and the guys, I feel like, because uh, the the mentality from our perspective was you do your work, you roll out. There's no need to, like, hang around and act like you're doing stuff. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. the good thing about being in communications or being commo and IT and radio men is no one really can come into your area because it's, like, top secret. Mm -hmm. And not everyone is top secret certified on the ship yeah but so no one can really are, mess with you yeah no one yeah. can really mess with you yeah, you know, yeah nobody yeah. can come in and like look at your people yeah if you're an engineer anybody can walk in there anytime and see who's there yeah you know what i'm saying if you're a gunman you know yeah if you're a master at arms they can come in there anytime check who's there if you're an operational specialist they can, like any of these other rates oh yeah but if you're an it you have a locked door. No one can access that. Really? Unless you give them access because it's a top secret space. Dang. So you have to get the higher classification. Kind of a luxury then. It's a luxury. Plus it's the there. space with the most air conditioning on the ship to keep all the computer systems mm. and equipment cool. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. literally the coolest space on the ship. Yeah. We'd be in there wearing these heavy jackets. Because it's so cold. It's so cold. Yeah, and you yeah. go outside, it's freaking hot. You take you know? your jacket out, yeah. So anyway, was doing that. We went to uh, RIMPAC, which is uh, RIM of the Pacific Exercise, where basically ships from all over oh, yeah? and foreign countries, they come to this, They come. everyone comes to Hawaii, and we do training off of Hawaii. So you do an in, in port where everyone ships come into Hawaii, they dock, 
and then everyone gets off and you have like a week or whatever in the port where you can hang out do whatever but you're also doing some training ashore and then everybody's ship gets underway you go off and into the ocean you start doing training exercises so one of the things i remember is i was the conning officer coming into hawaii and the conning officer is uh basically the officer that's driving the ship and the yeah. captain's up there he's going to be up there if you're going in or out of a port right but i was a conning officer and uh you know not trying to to have an ego or anything but like i was the what they call the gold team conning officer so basically driving through hard to drive scenarios i'd be the conning officer that yeah, would do yeah. that you know yeah and so uh anyway driving into hawaii was a smooth sail and no issues then we go to dock next to we had to pull up next to another ship and <clears throat> you know basically more up next to them which is parked next to them we started having some issues Uh-oh. i was making some bad calls and the ship was doing some Ooh. crazy maneuvers and uh, we almost came in too hot but then uh <laughs> we ended up the captain overrode me a couple times and ended yeah. up making it a soft landing but yeah, yeah that's we funny. came in a little bit hot a little bit <laughs> as the other ship people were like oh yeah, there's people freaking out there's people yeah, freaking yeah, out yeah, yeah. <laughs> holy so anyway we did the rim of the pacific and one of the things that happened there is uh well the other thing i remember too is when we got underway to do the uh underway training portion of the exercise we had a helicopter squadron on board which basically means that before you leave san diego two helicopters will fly on with all their people and they'll be staying on the ship with you because yeah. you'll be doing helicopter operations. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm learning. I'm trying to get my officer of the deck qualification, which I got at RIMPAC. And I remember I was like, officer of the deck. It was my first time being the officer of the deck for the first time, which is a big deal because yeah. you're basically in charge of the whole ship. And this was nighttime. The captain was asleep. Everyone's asleep. Everyone that's not on watch. Here we go. And uh, we're doing helicopter operations, and all of a sudden the weather gets really, really bad. Mm. And a frigate's like a small warship, yeah. so it like moves a lot if there's bad weather. And when you're landing a helicopter on a ship, it's crazy. Yeah, there's so many factors you got to take into account: the wind speed, wind direction, the how much the ship is turning side to side or forward and back, <coughs> called pitch and roll. And so we start pitching like crazy. So the ship's like turning side to side like crazy in the storm. Dang. I'm starting to freak out. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. like, I don't know if we can land this helicopter. Helicopter's saying they're running out of fuel. So we got to oh. land. Yeah, yeah. We're yeah, out yeah. in the middle of the ocean. Oh. And we're in the storm. You know what I'm saying? I'm like freaking out. Yeah. But we end up finding this heading, this direction that we're driving the ship to where we're able to keep it so, within limits, yeah, which yeah. basically means we're still rocking like crazy. But it's within the limits of what the helicopter can handle. Yeah. And so the helicopter comes in. It's like trying to land. It's trying. It just can't do it. And then all of a sudden, they just gun it down and just smash Slam into the it. Slam yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, dude. I thought we were going to lose that helicopter that night. Really? Holy crap. It was bro. crazy. Dang. That would have been, uh, been a story. <laughs> yeah. But that, that was freaking terrifying, just being in that scenario. But super cool at the same time. <laughs> yeah because you're like in charge of the ship you're driving the ship you're all this stuff's happening got to go through the uh rough experiences yeah. in order to get better sometimes you know yeah and i, I will uh say our captain from the rim pack through our deployment and all that his name was uh captain mcdowell that dude legit captain yeah he's good captain. hardcore yeah he's like super uh just a good captain yeah you know yeah he's still in the navy doing good things but uh in our xo the executive officer 
was a hard dude hard dude yeah you know but that dude taught me a lot that i didn't realize until later mm. i didn't like him at first but then i grew to like him yeah um so anyway I had a good crew on the gary so we did the rim pack one thing that happened was <coughs> we uh found a chinese spy ship was was observing one of our aircraft carriers really yeah but there's nothing you can do because they're like in international waters. So we would so just, they're like on an airplane or something. No, they're in a. It's just oh, Chinese, they're in a ship. Chinese ship. Yeah, and yeah. They're just staying way behind the aircraft carrier. You can see them on radar. Yeah, but you don't know. So it they is. know that you probably see them. Oh yeah. Plus so the aircraft carrier is launching jets and they're like circling the. So we we see them there. Yeah. And they're just like, we're just here. They're just there. They're just like recording everything we're doing. Really making observations. Yeah, it was crazy. Huh. They have huge radars all over the ship, and that's like a big thing. It's like the Chinese and obviously us and our allies. Who has radars, ours or the Chinese? We do. Yeah, every, yeah. every ship does, but this Chinese spy ship, it was specifically a ship to observe and spy on things. Yeah. This thing had crazy, rate, like all extra stuff on it, radars, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that was so we followed them for a while watching it we raced the aircraft carrier which is way faster than a frigate yeah and if you just let a frigate rip you know if you just go max speed you know things going pretty fast it's going like 30 35 knots Mm -hmm. aircraft carrier is just like smoking us and it's a bigger ship bigger engine bigger everything yeah yeah so that was cool but a couple other things i did on the gary was i went to uh, visit board search and seizure school which is basically you're learning how to be the uh, boarding team for your ship. So every ship has a boarding team where you learn how to take over another ship, basically. Yeah. <laughs> you board it. You can clear it. You can take over it. So that was something that I needed for our upcoming deployment, which was after RIMPAC. We came back from RIMPAC. We had, like, two weeks, and then we left for deployment. Yeah. So I went to that school before RIMPAC, got my officer of the deck qualification on RIMPAC, um, one of the other things that happened out in the middle of the ocean is we're just going, I think we're going like 20-something knots, and a whale jumped up in front of us. Really? Not jumped up, but it, like, came to surface in front of us, and it was too late, and boom. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just, every time you tell me, I just, oh, crap. Yeah. Just smash them, bro. every time that happens, you have to file this report and all that. So, yeah. I mean, that that does happen. Really? Mm-hmm. But we'd be fishing all the time mm-hmm. off the side of the ship and catching, like, crazy fish. Yeah. Big tuna, big blue marlin, you know what I'm saying? Got a couple marlin? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So all that kind of stuff. Got to eat them, right? Oh, yeah. Mm. Grill them up on the flight deck. Nice. Um, So did all that. Then we went on our our deployment, which was to the uh, Eastern Pacific undisclosed locations. Mm -hmm. Classified. Yeah. And our mission was basically counter-narcotics. Yeah. So basically what happens is the drug runners, they get into what we call go fast boats mm-hmm. so it's like a, a a small boat that can handle the ocean and they strap like four high power engines to it and they just gun it yeah and they just haul out of some central american country out into the ocean then they beeline it for like california yeah <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah so we'd be out there we'd have helicopters with us flying around we'd catch one of these things we'd board it We'd take all their stuff, and they were like, uh, they'd pack the uh, the narcotics, like cocaine, yeah, into the side of the the boat, small boat, yeah. and they'd put like more parts of the boat over it and like make it into the boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So See. we would literally have to take a saw and cut the boat in half to Dang. find it. Dang. Yeah. Yeah. 
So what do you do with all those drugs, though? You just bring them back we with you? We store them, and then we bring them back to what we call a host nation, mm-hmm. which is like... I just use like Central America. Yeah, somewhat like Guatemala. Yeah. yeah. So you give them the drugs back? We take it to the host nation. Yeah. So the drug cartels, while they are embedded with the host nation a lot, mm-hmm. you know, we're playing the basically the host nation's playing the game of like, oh, we're trying to find them. Yeah, you yeah, know yeah. What I'm they don't care. Yeah. yeah. And so we that's basically what we were doing, mm-hmm. you know. No, yeah. but I'm saying once you got the cocaine or whatever, yeah. you store it. We store on it on our ship. Our ship. And then you go to the host nation, you drop the prisoners off, right? Yeah. What do you do with the drugs? Sometimes we drop it off with the host nation. Yeah. Some of it we brought back to America. Yeah. Sometimes we'd link up with like a Coast Guard ship. And they would handle it. And we'd transfer it to the Coast Guard ship. They would take it back to Mm. America. Interesting. I was just wondering. Yeah. Hmm. So uh, that's basically what we were doing. I remember trying to think of a couple stories, but... uh, What would happen... uh, you told me this story before, but, uh, you know, you're the communications officer, you know, you get some stuff Oh, in transmission. <laughs> well, we're, we are required <laughs> as a communications, uh, division. Yeah. We are required to check our servers on our network all the time. <laughs> and so we just do routine checks and we'd find people's wives would be sending them nudies all the time. <laughs> And they're just trying to help the boys out. And they'd you know? pop up on our searches and we're like, oh my God, that's yeah. so and so's wife or whatever. <laughs> oh my God. And you can't say anything and to them, right? Yeah, we wouldn't say anything, but we would delete them all off the network. Yeah. And then they'd come back. They'd come to our office and knock on the door. <laughs> we have a little window with some with a grate over it. Right. And they'd be like, hey, I, I lost some stuff on my share drive. Mm. We're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's not there anymore or whatever. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Well, there's this one dude on the ship that was obsessed with Little Wayne, and he would just download hundreds of pictures of Little Wayne really? off the internet onto his computer, and we would delete it every day. We're like, why do we have these? Why are we downloading pictures of Little Wayne? And yeah. the dude would come by our our thing and be like, hey, I'm 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 I have pictures saved, and I can't find them. And it's like, you can't save that many pictures. He just loves Little Wayne. Taking up space. Yeah, it's like it's what crazy. the heck? That's yeah. was yeah. Little quirks. I do remember being on the boarding team. You know, I'd get called because when you're on deployment, you're kind of in a rhythm. So yeah. So you got watch, you know. My main watch was like uh, officer of the deck. Yeah. So I'd be up on the bridge, you mm-hmm. know, doing that for however many hours, six hours or whatever. Yeah. Then I'd have to be doing my normal job, which is communication stuff. Then I'd have to do my other – I had a bunch of other jobs. I'm not going to go into all those, yeah. but the boarding team's one of those, so I had to do stuff for that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, uh, you know, you have a lot of stuff going on. You don't get a lot of sleep sometimes, and your watch is changing all the time. So you could be on a day watch, and then the next day you're on a night watch. Mm. So you got to somehow figure out how to sleep around that. And I was, like, still trying to work out. We had a small gym on the top of the ship yeah. out in the sun, like, strapped down. Yeah. So I'd go out there, work out. Anyway, as a boarding officer, you could get called at any time if you're on the boarding team to do a boarding, mm. you know, or to oh, do okay. this or to do yeah, that. Yeah, it's like on call on yeah. call and so uh one of the other things we would do is like we would have to ride on the small boat anytime that we needed to launch the small boat you know because we every ship has a small boat Most yeah. ships have two but we had one mm-hmm. so i remember this one night they woke me up they're like hey you got to go ride the small boat because uh, we intercepted a vessel and the vessel got away but we watched them offload we watched them throw everything into the ocean so we have to go find it and recover it oh wow <laughs> 
It's pitch black. Yeah. And it's like bad weather too. Dang. So the waves are like, whoa, dude, ain't no way I'm going out there. So it's hard to see stuff. Yeah. You know, and the ship has the big spotlights. We're looking. We're looking at night vision. We're trying to find this stuff. Right. The waves are like you. You lose it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I go out in the small boat. I'm like tired too, and I have watch coming up. I'm like, I'm not going to get any sleep. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, we're out there in the small boat. It's like crazy waves. We're trying to figure out where this stuff is. And the ship is like, oh, we see something. Turn to your right to heading, you know, 090 and go 100 yards. <clears throat> so this is how we were trying to figure out where this stuff was. We drive to that spot and we'd be like, there's nothing here. Yeah. And they're like, oh, 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 it went to turn to 080, 100 more yards. So we'd be doing this game all night. <laughs> wasting time and so i'm getting pissed yeah. everybody else on the small boats getting pissed yeah the exos on the bridge on the ship telling us where to go yeah and uh you know one th- we were able to recover one big bag of just straight cash damn <laughs> big fat stacks oh yeah like the things you see in the movie yeah it was like that's in, it it was in a watertight bag uh-huh. it's like so much cash Dang. it's heavy as hell how much how much a you lot, think? A lot. And we had to pull it in the boat out of the water. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The yeah. water's going crazy. Oh. So we did that, but then they kept trying to make us find more stuff. And they're like, we see something. We see something. So they send us over to it. It's pitch black. And they're like, it's right in front of you. It's right in front of you. <laughs> and the only thing in front of me was a bird, like a seagull <laughs> in the water. And I was like, yeah, I see it right here. It's a seagull! Because <laughs> I was pissed that we were out there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so then they called us back to the to the ship, and then the, the XO called me to his office and was like, out of line. Oh, out really? Line, making that really? joke or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Can't have any fun out here, sir. Yeah. So anyway, that happened. <laughs> well, and at then, least you got the cash. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. whatever. And then, uh, you know, there's a lot of times where the go-fast boats would throw their load overboard and try to get away from us, and sometimes we'd shoot out their engines, catch them, and then go back and pick up all the stuff. Yeah. I remember one time we were pulling this cocaine into our ship that we had captured, and uh, one of the bricks busted in, in our faces, me and a bunch of dudes that were, yeah, just, it cracked open, and cocaine just <laughs> into the air. Yeah. So we got exempt from the from the drug test for like a month. <laughs> whoops, oh whoops. Got high in the Navy. Yeah. Whatever you call it when you're and on And I got paid for it. <laughs> So I did that, and then uh, last story from that deployment was uh, probably our biggest bust was there was a – most of the ships that we were taking down were what we call go-fast vessels. Mm-hmm. So it's the – it's kind of like a fishing boat that you see off the coast, you know, of like people deep-sea fishing, but yeah. they just strap a bunch of engines to it so they can go super fast. Mm-hmm. We had an actual cargo ship, which is like the big mm. ships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That – we had intelligence that they were actually trafficking cocaine. Mm-hmm. So we start pursuing this thing. We, we locate it. We start pursuing it. <clears throat> we have a, a coast coast guard boarding team and our Navy boarding team. are all boarding this thing. Yeah. It's a big ship. Yeah, it's a big ship. And so we end up, it starts throwing the cocaine overboard thinking that we're not going to take it down, but we're like, our captain's like, we're taking this thing down. Yeah. He wants you know? a prize. Yeah. He wants a prize. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Wait, so when they're throwing it over, is it like bags or whatever? Oh, there's cocaine everywhere. Is it like containers? It's like, like cocaine in a in a shrink wrap bag. Yeah, and that's it. Floats it floats okay. for a while, yeah. and then it starts sinking. I just didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, we go, we board the vessel, 
you know, it was pretty much not a problem to take take everybody down on the vessel. There was no one shooting at us or anything. There was one dude with a knife. That was it though. Everyone else didn't have any guns. Or everybody anything? else gave up. Oh, because yeah. like we were we were there. We had yeah. the helicopter. We had the small boat. We had all these dudes. They knew it was on, over. Decked yeah. out. Yeah. And my job was once we got on board, like my job was to go to the bridge and drive the ship. Yeah. And there was two dudes that were going to be up there with me. Yeah. Then we had a team going down to engineering to handle the uh, power plant for the ship. Yeah. And then we had other people doing other stuff. So I get up to the bridge, and uh, we're like, "All right, we're on this ship." And this ship is shit. Mm. This thing is run down like crazy. Yeah. The engineers get down to the engineering compartment. They call me because we had the radios and all that. They're like, hey, this is, does not look good. It's a diesel generator. This thing is wore out. Really? And it sounds like a freaking train engine that's about to blow up. And I can hear it because we're driving. The ship is like. Oh, God. And this ship is just like not good to go. Yeah. You know, we're like, okay. So we get orders to drive it back to uh, a Central America country. Yeah. So we start driving it. Three days. This thing goes. Really? This thing can only go so fast. It's super slow. And then on the third, and our ship is on the side, you know, Just driving next to us, yeah. and we're driving. I'm three days on this thing. I'm like, freaking, this thing sucks. Yeah, you know this sucks. So we're driving. All of a sudden, boom! Oh. Engine blows up. The engine blows up. <laughs> Dude, there's shit. a fire. Damn. And so our engineers put out the fire, and then, then the captain's like, all right, we're getting off the ship. Mm-hmm. So we get off the ship, and then a Coast Guard cutter comes, and they tow it back somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's how we took Did care of Did you sleep on that thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So like just sleep in the, three guys in the pilot the room? One of us would be awake. One of us would be on standby. Then one of us could sleep, and I'd just lay on the floor. I was going to say just lay on the floor. I took my helmet off. And then uh, I just put it on the ground, sleep on. Use that. that as a pillow. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. No real food or anything. They'd try to get us some food, but it's just like you're in your you're in your whole gear. You got your rifle. You got your whole. Oh, you're kitted like this for three oh, days. Oh, you're kitted. Yeah, dang, yeah. dang. Yeah. yeah. We took everybody off the ship, so we knew there was no bad guys on the ship. Yeah. Because we inspected the whole ship, but like you're kitted the whole time. What else was on there? Just random shit. Bunch of containers and big crane and random shit. There's like empty containers or what? yeah, they're empty. Mm, so it's just a front yeah mm, interesting uh so yeah it was crazy that, is that crazy. was a cool takedown though it yeah. was like a big deal it was like historic takedown the captain wanted that one. Oh yeah He's like, we, we were in this the, boat down. We were in like the navy times and all oh that. really yeah i mean that's the, cool the amount of cocaine on that ship was crazy really yeah so uh i just remembered another actually i forgot it but there was another story i had um well, one of the things that would happen is we would capture these these go fast vessels we would turn them over to host nation <clears throat> then a couple of weeks later these same guys would be out there again. yeah yeah so basically the you know the cartels are are running in with yeah the infiltrated yeah. yeah got something going so they on got all the connections going and all that but yeah. uh, anyway whenever we got back from that deployment we had to decommission that ship that was like the second to last frigate in the navy mm-hmm. and they were shutting it down they were selling it to taiwan Oh, really? So we had to do all the stuff to decommission the ship, mm-hmm. <clears throat> which was a lengthy process, especially for communications because you have a lot of top-secret equipment, and there's certain ways you handle this equipment, so I had to figure all that out. Really, yeah. Yeah. A lot of logistics. Yeah, a lot of logistics to figure out all that kind of stuff. So Yeah. Um, but, you know, my first deployment or my first uh, tour on the Gary, you know, there was times where I didn't like it, as with anything. There was times where I was like – what am I doing here? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But uh, I learned a lot. 
like I said, my captain was a really good captain. I took a lot away from watching him, paying attention to him, the way that I kind of worked with my guys. I call them my guys because I don't really like calling them my guys. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. With the communications guys, the way that we worked together was, like I said, you know, I was representing them to the officers and the command and the commanding officer, and making sure that we had all of our stuff completed and they i just let them do their thing yeah, and yeah i think yeah. that worked really well i think they liked that they respected that we had a good connection mm-hmm. and uh if so like whenever you leave your first tour as a officer you go to your second tour <clears throat> you can get a special qualification on your first tour called engineering officer of the watch it's like an extra qualification you can do mm-hmm. you're not supposed to get that qualification until you're on your second tour but if you get it on your first tour sometimes you're eligible for special jobs on your second tour cool so i was like i wanted a special job yeah so i got that qualification on my first tour which was super difficult for me it was just the engineering side of the house is on a ship it's not like engineering in college where you're on paper doing stuff it's like you're running the power plant for a ship yeah something that's keeping the ship moving through the water purifying the water because you suck seawater in yeah and you purify that for the mm. ship's crew to drink oh, wow. and shower with. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's and a very important running role. Running the heat, running the AC, running the cooling, running the power. So all that stuff is what the engineering officer of the watch does. Yeah. So I had to earn that qualification. Earn that, <clears throat> which made me eligible for the special billet on my second tour. My first choice was to go to Riverine Squadron, which is basically small boats that yeah. operate on wa- on rivers right i didn't get that i got my second choice which was naval beach group yeah and naval beach group is basically uh it gets super complicated so i'm going to make it as simple as possible naval beach group is the command the navy command that's responsible for all landing craft that basically move marines from ships to the shore and then back to ships yeah so LCACs, which are landing craft air cushion, mm-hmm. which is a hovercraft. It hovers over the water. Yeah. Six to seven feet over the water. Yeah. And it can go on land and water, right? It's just hovering. It's pretty crazy. cool. Yeah. Super cool. And then they have, we have uh, LCU's landing craft utility, which is the old school. If you ever saw Saving Private Ryan, it's oh, like that. Yeah. Where, where they just have the open top. Yeah. It's an open top. It's a boat that's right in the water. The ramp comes down. Yeah. You yeah. Know, yeah. It's yeah, like yeah. that. And then we also had uh, a bunch of other stuff. We have uh, amphibious combat uh, CBs. We also have something specialized called the uh, MRF Rib Detachment, which is Marine Raid Force. So every Marine uh, MU detachment that deploys, they have a specialized unit of guys, typically Force Recon guys, Mm -hmm. that we'll do specialized boardings yeah. you know they'll work with seals and all that kind of stuff so we so naval beach group has ribs and crews that are trained to drive these guys around and deliver them mm. to certain locations so yeah i leave the uss gary i leave the t- traditional surface warfare i get to the specialized billet at naval beach group and i'm loving it dude oh yeah i get there first of all you go from the traditional navy base to <coughs> an amphibious base yeah and there's SEALs, there's CBs, there's SWIC, there's Naval Beach Group, there's all these all these cool cats. Specialized billets. Yeah. You also get a whole different uniform. Nice. You get the expeditionary uniform, which now the whole Navy wears, but back then it was just a specialized unit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so I'm like, oh, this is freaking legit. Yeah, you know? something different, right? And mm-hmm. I show up to the Naval Beach Group, 
And uh, they tell me, hey, the captain is hardcore. Mm. Hardcore. Shit. Like, do not play around with this guy. Damn. And the captain is like, and when you're on a, uh, like a surface ship, your captain generally is like an O5, so technically a commander. Yeah. But you still call him the captain of the ship. Mm. The dude in charge of Naval Beach Group is a legit captain O6, which is equal to a colonel in the uh, Air Force and Marines and Army. Mm-hmm. So he's a big wig, you yeah, know, basically. Yeah. He's a big dude. He's right below an admiral. Yeah. So uh, they're like, hey, the captain is freaking hardcore. Do not mess around with him. This dude will eat you alive. He's Oof. old school. Damn. And, like, apparently all the other captains on the base, like, feared him. Really? Because he was hardcore. Tang, dude's got a presence. Yeah, he's got a presence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> His name's Captain Flanagan. Here we this go. This dude's legit, bro. And so <laughs> I like the challenge. You know what I'm saying? I like those old school dudes. Yeah. And so... uh the first time I ever met him, we were all out on this huge field doing a training exercise. It was like my first time there. I'm in my uniform, and I had to take off my blouse, which is like your overgarment, so you yeah. just have your undershirt on. Mm-hmm. And, you, and we were running around carrying ammo cans and rifles and stuff, and he's out there. And he had these these green shorts and like a just a Naval Beach Group T-shirt on and yeah, his yeah. hat. And he's like, who the hell is that? <laughs> he's talking about me. And yeah. they're like, oh, it's the new officer. Yeah. And I was basically training to be a detachment officer for him to deploy for him with Marines. And so uh, he's like, what's his name? And they're like, Singer. And they're like, he's like, Singer, get the hell over here. Yeah. And so I'm double-timing it over to him, you know. And this was after my deployment on the Gary, which I had gotten pretty big on. Yeah, yeah, I had gotten up to like 215. I was lifting crazy weight. Right, right. So I get over there. He's like. You look like a dude that can lift some weight. Oh, God. Here we go. <laughs> I was like, yes, sir. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he's like, you're running pretty good out here. I was like, yes, sir. He's like, you're de- you're deploying with uh, – he's like, who you deploying with? And I was like, I'm the Box Arg, which yeah. is the Boxer Amphibious Readiness Group. I'm the Box Arg uh, OIC. Mm. And he's like, all right, well, come to my office tomorrow. Mm. I was like, yes, sir. And so I just run back out there. I'm doing my thing. You thought he was going to get you? I thought he was going to, like, try to just destroy me. But – me and him actually connected because I think he got the vibe that I was kind of like liking the hardcore stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there was a couple other new officers that went to his office before me and they came out crying. Crying? Actual? crying. Real men. Cause, yeah, because he was legit just destroying them. Just talking. Oh, yeah, just shit talking. Shit talking. Shit talking. <laughs> Oh yeah, dude. This dude, this dude's hardcore, bro. Dang. And if you messed up one, because th- as a detachment officer in charge at Naval Beach Group, yeah, you got like 150 to 200 sailors you're in charge of. You got like, I had five LCACs, which are millions of dollars. Yeah, you're Big responsible boy money. for it. Yeah. Big boy money. One LCU, one amphibious uh, CB detachment i had two of the marine raid force ribs and their crews yeah i was responsible for all big this. deal big deal yeah and you deploy and you leave with the uh, navy ships and marines that are deploying your captain stays in coronado california yeah so you're not with them. oh i see <laughs> so you are legit the captain's direct representative right to the marines and the navy guys that you're with gotcha. and your captain is like where he's at in coronado running everything else mm-hmm so it's like a big deal. Yeah, I got you. And if you mess up one thing, this dude would eat you alive, bro. I love that shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And so uh, he called me in his office, and uh, basically we just had a conversation, and basically we were, like, good to go with each other. Mm-hmm. 
other officers are like crying. I'm like, good to go. Bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> Y'all are posers. <laughs> uh, no, I felt bad for him. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Oh uh, yeah, like, yeah, dude. This is this is my this is my deal. Mm-hmm. I like having this. You're level. like good. I'm like I like having this level of like stress. It's not stressful to me, but to other people, it's super yeah. stressful. Accountability. Yeah, yeah. And I like playing because I was just an O2 lieutenant junior grade, which is like a low ranking officer. Yeah. And I'm in. I'm like meeting with O sixes, O fives, big boys, big boys. Yeah, big. Dogs. You know, compared to me, yeah. and I have to be like level headed with these people because, like, what they'll do is they'll just use their rank and power to crush you and tell you what to do and make mm. you do what they want you to do. Yeah. But you represent your captain, and it's your job to make sure that doesn't happen. Mm. I and got I, you. I, I was really good at that. Yeah, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but even at even after that deployment, when I finished. The uh, the other O sixes that were on that deployment, they're like, hey, you you took uh, positional authority to a new level, really, yeah. which basically means even though you're a low ranking officer, you acted as if, yeah, and you're able to work with those that are high ranking, you yeah, know yeah, yeah, yeah. So to me, I was I was loving that, you know. Mm-hmm. So I go on that deployment, and the crazy thing is, <clears throat> when I left the Gary, they're like, you're probably going to have a year before you deploy again. I get to Naval Beach Group. They're like, you got like two months, Damn. and you're deploying again. Shit, because we have a we had someone someone had an issue, and like you're going. Oh shit! I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I got to figure <laughs> this out. Yeah. So, uh, start training, start figuring out that job. Basically, w- what happened was <clears throat> my detachment: five LCACs, one LCU, two Marine Raid Force ribs, one amphibious CB. Uh, or, or I forgot what they call them, but company, basically. We were all spread across three warships, three amphibious warships, and I was on the Boxer, which the Boxer was one of the ships that was involved with the uh, Mersk, Alabama capturing. Mm-hmm. If you remember that, the pirates captured the captain. Oh, yeah, Captain Seal Phillips thing. Six. Yeah, yeah, Captain yeah, yeah. Phillips. Mm-hmm. The Boxer was one of those ships. Oh, wow. So that's the ship I deployed on. Nice. And uh, I basically worked with a Marine colonel, 06 who was in charge of all the marines on all those ships including the helicopters the airplane everything yeah tanks everything he's that guy he's the top dog yeah and then the navy uh captain 06 who's in charge of the, all the navy stuff all the warships all things navy helicopters all that stuff and i'm the guy that's the in-between for these people yeah. to help the Marines get from the Navy ships to the shore and back yeah. on what we call surface craft, which are yeah. going to, or landing craft, which are going to be LCACs or LCUs yeah. um, in general. Yeah. But uh, the Boxer is basically what I call a helicopter carrier because we had Ospreys, we had heavy lift helicopters, we had Harrier jets, which land vertically. They that's take cool. off like on a <laughs> runway off the yeah. ship. When they come in and land, they land like a helicopter, oh, which that's is crazy. Cool. Yeah, that's cool. So anyway, we deploy and that deployment, crazy, a bunch of different stuff going on. We had special uh, operations units get landed on our ships because they had to go do other stuff that we can't talk about right now. Classified. Um, Yeah, still classified. Classified, classified. But we just did a bunch of cool stuff. I was loving that job. Yeah. Basically, I worked in an office with two Marines. One was a... uh, at the time, he was a master sergeant. Now he's a master gunnery sergeant. Ramiro Hart, uh, Ramiro Hart Hurtado. Yeah, legit dude. Mm-hmm. This dude taught me so much. Bro. <laughs> he's a senior 
in, he's a senior NCO, yeah. senior non-commissioned officer, so he's enlisted. Right. But this dude is down to earth, taught me so much stuff. Yeah. Then we had Captain Heffel, Dustin Heffel, me and him. At first, I felt like we were clashing a little bit, but then mm. we got into our groove. We were freaking best buddies, dude. Yeah. This dude was prior enlisted, became an officer. So us three worked in an office together because they were basically – I was the landing craft guy that gets people to and from different ships. Mm. <clears throat> They're, they are the, uh, if I can remember, combat cargo guys, so they're in charge of loading my craft. So we have to make sure everything balances out, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But we had a good time, me and those two guys. We did some crazy shit <laughs> in our office and in port and yeah. uh, just had a good time. Did yeah. lots of operations. Um, yeah, and then we ended up making a bad call on one operation. We were off the coast of, I don't even remember what... The, what, I think it was Dubai. Actually. No, it was uh, Djibouti, off the coast of Djibouti, which is a uh, country in Africa. Mm-hmm. I think it was Djibouti. Djibouti. I can't remember exactly. Anyway, we're doing LCAC operations, so we're moving Marines uh, to the shore from the ship. Yeah, and then we'll pick them up like a month later or whatever. You know mm. what I'm saying? Yeah. So. The sea states for El- like there's all again with the helicopters and with landing craft and anything naval wise, there's limits to when you can launch and recover assets. Mm-hmm. And LCACs they hover over the water. They're hovering about six to seven feet over the water. So if the waves get too high, it poses uh, a risk yeah. to the it, hovering ability. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So what we did was it's called sea state. The sea state started to degrade, which means it started to get bad yeah. <clears throat> as we're finishing up the operation. Yeah. And I think it was at like five feet and six feet is the max for an LCAC. Like they can't do six feet uh, sea state. So all this stuff's on Google too. It's unclassified. But yeah. So uh, not leaking anything. Yeah. Yeah. So we decide to launch one more LCAC. And when we did that, we busted a uh, basically uh, the apron which helps yeah. the thing hover. Mm-hmm. So we were able to recover it, and I think we blew an engine too. LCACs have four engines. They can run on three. Um, but anyway, we ended up messing a couple things up. It was a is not a good scenario. We were not able, because a lot of times when things break, we can fix them on the ship. Yeah. This was such a bad uh, scenario that we were not able to do the repairs on the ship. So I had to do all this freaking work to figure out where we could go to fix this LCAC. <clears throat> and basically we ended up, um, I think it was uh, Kuwait or Oman, one of the two. No, Bahrain, Bahrain. So I figured out that there was a repair facility in Bahrain that we could send the LCAC to, but the sea state had to be low enough <coughs> where the LCAC could hover on a broken apron, which means it's not going to have its full hovering capability yeah. and with reduced engines, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So we had to plan out this whole thing. I had to coordinate everything. Of course, you have to coordinate the money. I had to report back to my captain, who's mm-hmm. on the other side of the world, yeah. that this happened. And uh, basically he said, you know, you made a bad call doing that last operation, but, you know, looks like you got it figured out, so do what you need to do. Yeah. You know, so – had to coordinate with the Navy and Marine guys, get everything set up to get the ship that that LCAC was on close enough 
to where we could launch the LCAC. The LCAC would be there for like a month getting repaired, yeah. which also was a degradation to us, meaning we didn't have our full landing craft capacities. Yeah. So there's this whole ordeal. So yeah, yeah, yeah. figured well, the whole thing out, got it all taken care of. And, you know, a month later, went back, picked it up, back to full operations. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So good to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had several uh, missions with the Marine Raid Force. And then the, we actually flew a couple uh, SEAL platoons onto our ships to do some maritime raids where basically we we're going to take down other ships yeah. in the Middle East areas. Mm. So we did that for a while, which was super cool. And, uh, yeah, just a good deployment. The gym on that ship was good, really nice gym. And you know you got the Marines on so there. So I was I was lifting I was uh, lifting with uh, primarily two guys. One was Ike Ume, and then the other was Ramiro Hurtado, and those dudes pushed me. Yeah. And that was where I got the strongest I've ever been, and I also got up to like 230 pounds body Damn. weight, which is the biggest I've ever been. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, we would basically just crush the weights. Unless we had, like, watch or something like that, we'd have to skip a couple workouts. But I was working out seven days a week. Sunday I'd get up before anything would uh, be taking off the flight deck. I could run the flight deck, so I would do that. And then we'd be working out in the gym. Yeah. Got the biggest I've ever been. I got so big that I ripped my pants. <laughs> Not the first time you ripped your pants either. I had to, I had to order pants and have them shipped to the ship because <laughs> I had no more pants. Special order. <laughs> Sorry, sir, got too too my, ripped and my, shredded. My thighs got so big. Yeah. And I was legit doing a thousand pound leg presses. Holy cow. And my thighs got so big that the seams on the inner thighs were ripping. Yeah. You got a problem with ripping <laughs> pants. You got a problem. It's not a, not the first time. I also did my heaviest bench ever on that, which was 405. So I was, I was nice. feeling good. Yeah, yeah. But I also messed up my knee one time because I was squatting and the ship rocked. Oh. And, ah, really? Messed up my Dang. knee. Dang. Yeah. But yeah, I had a... A lot of good time, and that was when I was working out for the first time ever at 4.30 a.m. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ever up, up until that point, I had been working out at 5.30 a.m. But on that deployment, because of all my responsibilities, my days were like crazy. So I would get up at 4.30, make sure we got the lift in. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And on that deployment, I was like, I will never, ever wake up at 4.30 <laughs> ever again Yeah. to work out. Yeah. I just won't do it. Right. And today I'm doing the same thing. Yeah, what time do you work out now? Three, <laughs> three o'clock a.m.? But on that deployment, I was like, I'm never doing it again. It's too early. Yeah. I got to do it. So yeah. we'd work out. Every time there was chow hall was open, we'd go. We'd crush as much food as we could. We we made friends with the uh, the cooks. Yeah. Because you can only get limited food. So we'd make friends with them and we'd get extra food. Oh, yeah. I did that on the Gary, too. Required. Yeah. So anyway, had a good time on that deployment. We came back. And uh, when I came back from that deployment, I had made the decision to get out of the Navy. And the reason was uh, we had some family members that died, so I felt like it'd be better for us to be back home. Mm -hmm. It was also looking like I was not going to be able to get close to Charleston with the engineering duty officer option, which is what we would be doing. I would be doing after I left Naval Beach Group. Mm -hmm. I was loving Naval Beach Group. Yeah. I did not really want to go back to a regular ship. Yeah. And I also didn't really want to go back to school. Mm -hmm. And as an engineering duty officer, one of the things you have to do is get your master's degree. Oh. And I was like, I do not want to go. Yeah. Do that route. And get a degree. Yeah. Because I struggled so much. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. So we made the decision to get out of the Navy. I actually made the decision on that deployment. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, some things I was looking into doing, one was harbor pilots, 
And I thought, you know, hey, I could be a harbor pilot because I was really good at driving warships. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just have a natural talent for it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think I could do that for a living. Yeah. And then uh, I think, oh, I was also looking at uh, Department of Natural Resources law enforcement officer. Yeah. Maritime because I had the boarding team experience. I was oh, like, I yeah, could be yeah. on a small boat patrolling the rivers, whatever. Yeah. You know, and I have the experience of the boarding team, which is doing the same thing. So that'd be a really good fit. Plus I like that stuff. Um, so anyway, uh, at the same time, I haven't talked about dogs yet, but before this deployment, me and my wife, Lauren, we got our Doberman Bane. Yeah. So during this deployment, she had been emailing me saying that he had started to attack her mom who Mm. she was living with at the time. Yeah. And I was like, we got to figure this out. We got to fix this. Yeah. You know, so I was like, as soon as we get back, as soon as I get back from deployment, this is one thing we're going to be fixing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So got back from deployment. Uh, the day I got back from deployment, I walked into the house that we were living in in San Diego and Bane was avoiding me. Sarabi so was like happy to see me and all yeah. that. But you see all the videos on social media of your dog coming back from deployment, getting all happy. That's yeah. what I was expecting. Right. You know, false expectations. Yep. This dude tried to bite me, so I had to put pin him up against the wall. Dang. You know, with all my strength holding him on his neck up against the wall and he's going, trying to bite you where you try to get you at your face. Yeah. Dang. And so I was able to grab his neck and then pin him up against the wall and then he was snarling, snapping, whatever, and then he eventually calmed down, and I was able to let him down, and I was like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. So that started. So that's when I started looking into dog training. Yeah. And trying to figure him out. And uh, real quick, jumping back to the Navy, my last couple months in the Navy, basically I was as an assistant. After I finished that deployment as the detachment officer in charge, there was a new detachment OIC that came in and took over that detachment, and I trained them up, and then I became an assistant operations scheduler, which basically means it was like a fluff job yeah, yeah, that they yeah. gave me mm-hmm. so that I could have more time to prep to get out of the Navy, Yeah, which I'm really thankful to Naval Beach Group for allowing me to do that because I was able to not – I didn't have to work that much for the Navy. Yeah. And I was able to focus on my next career, Yeah, which ended up paying out because I started doing dog training on the side. Yeah. So I got with a local dog training company in San Diego, <clears throat> said, you know, what was going on with my dog and that I was interested in doing some training. So I started doing training with them. And then I said, hey, is this something that I could do as a career? Because I started to really like it. And uh, the guy's like, yeah, you could definitely do this as a career. Yeah. And he's like, you know, you can join my company. Yeah. And we'll make a branch out in Charleston whenever you move out there because it was going to be like eight months or so yeah. before I moved out to Charleston. Mm. And you'll just work for us out there. And I was like, that sounds good. Yeah. You know? Perfect. Hey. And they were like, hey, it's going to be 25 grand to train you to be mm. a dog trainer. Huh? Yeah. What? And I was like, okay. All right. No problem. <laughs> okay. All right. So I set up a payment plan. Yeah. You know, and I was yeah. able to make a payment plan. I had to do 5000 up front. Mm-hmm. So I had to just dish out five grand to start learning how to be a dog trainer, mm. which is not the way that we run it here no. at Canine Revolution Dog Training yeah. for a couple reasons, but I'll get into that later. So, and then we'd be making payments towards the whole 25000 and uh, you wouldn't get paid until you were like done with that payment plan, you know? Really? Then you could start getting paid. Dang. So, so if it took you years to pay off, yeah. you wouldn't get money? 
Dang. So it was good that uh, I was able to do this on the side when I was still in the Navy because I was able to live off of my Navy pay. Yeah. I was working for the Navy for like basically half a day and then I'd go do dog training for the rest of the day and the rest of the night. Yeah, I'd yeah, go to yeah. sleep, I'd wake up. I'd wake up at 4.30 a.m., which I didn't want to do. <laughs> go to the gym. Here you go are. to the Navy job. Yeah. Go to the dog training job until it was time to go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the cycle. Yeah. You know? And uh, so that's kind of how I got into dog training. Um, and that kind of wrapped up my time in the Navy, which I, I basically did that till I got out of the Navy. And then I as soon as the day that I got out, I basically started driving back to Charleston, yeah, South Carolina to yeah. move back here. Mm-hmm. So, um you have any questions about the Navy stuff where I jump into the dog no. training? Do you, do you think I covered cool. enough? Yeah, you covered a lot. Yeah. I will say Naval Beach Group, you know, you don't really know about it. Most people don't know about it, but super cool job. So if you are in the Navy or you're thinking about going into the Navy, if you can, if you like expeditionary work and you can get into an assault craft unit or an amphibious construction battalion unit <coughs> or Naval Beach Group itself, do it because it's super cool, you know, especially if you can get into LCACs. And I like LCUs and my LCU guys out there. I love you guys. Chief Nesbitt, yeah. senior chief Nesbitt now. Mm. Actually, he might be master chief at this point. Yeah. But uh, the cool thing about landing craft is it's 100% enlisted. Yeah. There's no officers that are running those craft. The officers are with the staff or with the ship kind of overall operations, you know. But the guys actually driving the craft – are all enlisted it's the only place in the navy that happens yeah so an lcac is manned the they they call them uh what they call it flying because it's hovering right yeah technically technically speaking the aviators get a little angry at that but uh (laughs) basically there's a chief petty officer or a senior chief or a master chief that's the craft master this is the guy that's actually driving it Mm -hmm. then there's an engineer who's in charge of the engines and the hovering capability then there's a navigator and a loadmaster. So you could do any of those jobs. You could be part of an LCAT crew. LCU has some more uh, crew members on it. LCUs can go out and operate by themselves for 10 days. Mm. So there'd be times that we would launch our LCU and it'd be out doing its own thing for 10 days. They'd come back. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Hey, get away for a while. Super cool. <laughs> and the uh, Marine Raid Force ribs, that's all enlisted. There's a chief that runs the ribs, and then it's an enlisted crew. So super cool to get into if you're into that kind of stuff, if you're in the Navy. And I, I think there's there there are two Naval Beach groups. One's in Coronado, California. One's in uh, Virginia Beach, Virginia. Yeah. Um, that area. So yeah, yeah. Little Creek, Virginia. So super cool to get into if you guys are into that kind of stuff. Really enjoyed my deployments there. Um, went all throughout the Middle East, went through a bunch of countries. We were at sea for – on my last deployment, we were at sea for whatever amount of time it is that you get a beer day underway. Mm. And so we were allotted two beers each, the whole crew. <laughs> Only two. Yep, two beers each because we had been at sea for X amount of days. But the guy running the beers was my buddy Ramiro Hart. <laughs> so we got the hook. Yeah, the yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Only two. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, had some good times in the Navy. Met a lot of good guys and girls, right? And uh, did a lot of cool stuff. My first ship, you know, our, our group of junior officers on the Gary, we were pretty tight, you know. We did some crazy things. Yeah. And uh, went to went to a school after leaving the Gary. I went to a school with my buddy Paul Cassani. 
Mm-hmm. This dude crazy. Paul. Hopefully he listens to this. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Paul is Paul is freaking crazy, boys. Yeah. And uh, me and Paul, we go to uh, we're in Rhode Island, and we go out one night for whatever reason, and we're like downtown, whatever area we're in. Yeah. Newport News, I think, or something, mm-hmm. and because uh, we're at this Navy school out there, and uh, we're we're just grabbing some steaks. Yeah. And then Paul's like, "Hey, <laughs> let's let's run the bars." Oh God. I'm like, "All right." And he's like, "Red Bull and vodka only." Oh my God. So we go to each bar. On this in this area, oh bar run boys! Every bar we go to, we get a Red Bull and vodka, and we just go and hammer loud. We're crazy. <laughs> we go into this nice bar, yeah, this nice like you guys wine. Showed up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. going on? Yeah. Getting all these looks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Elder, let me get a Red Bull and vodka. <laughs> Slamming shit around. Typical Spelling Navy drinks. guys. Yeah, here come the Navy guys. So anyway, had a good time in the Navy. One thing I forgot to talk about at the Citadel and the Navy is like the leadership paying attention to the <clears throat> leaders that were around me and then trying to take lessons about who I thought was having good aspects of leadership and who was having uh, not so good aspects of leadership. So that's something that I was trying to pay attention to. And uh, also one more story from my deployment with the Marines. When I was around my Navy guys, I was super chill. Yeah. Super chill. I'd be calling them bro, buddy, yeah. you know, this and that. Not really formal, yeah. you know. Get around the Marines. And I decide to call a Marine 04, which is a major, and I'm just an 02 lieutenant junior grade. Mm-hmm. I decide to call him bro. And I say, hey, bro, what was that thing you were? And he lit me up. What, you just call me? <laughs> In the Marine Corps, that's a sir. Oh, oh, that this dude went ham. Yes, sir. In front of a bunch of people too, and that really pissed me off. Oh, you know like, he wanted to do it too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> he was like one of those dudes with a stick up, as you know. Yeah, because <laughs> there was a bunch of Marines. I'd be calling bro, and they're like, "Yeah, we're good to go." You know. I'm yeah, yeah. But uh, he was just something else. <laughs> and so anyway, I, that's definitely locked in my brain. I feel like that's the fifty-fifty split in the military. Yeah, you got people who are like, all right, like. You know, it doesn't. Everything doesn't have to be so black and white, but right. you know. Then there's the other other guys who are hardcore. Oh yeah. So, uh, anyway, got into the dog training. I already talked a little bit about starting with this company. Was learning from them. They were super old school, so there was no food rewards being used. You know what I'm saying? Which I thought food rewards. You shouldn't be using food rewards because they were telling me not to use them. And uh, the one thing we struggled with was Bane. We could never really figure out why he was reacting or, you know, trying to essentially what he was doing was correcting me and Lauren and other people around us. He did not like being touched. He did not like people walking up to him. If somebody stopped and looked at him and, and said, hey, like, hey, buddy a stranger or smile at him he would lunge at them and snarl and snap at them and all this stuff so these trainers could could never figure out why he was doing that and they ended up saying he's just always going to be like that you're going to have to put a vest on him that says i bite so that people know he bites and to stay away from him mm-hmm. and uh, you also will need to teach him to hold things in his mouth so that he can't bite people so we started doing the old school force retrieval, which basically you're forcing a dog to hold something, which 
makes a dog not like to hold things. Yeah. If you do it the wrong way. Yeah. I was never taught learning theory, which is the theory of how canines learn, mm. you know? Never taught classical conditioning, never taught operant conditioning, just taught this is the way you do things. Yeah. Doesn't matter what's going on, this is the way you do things. Yeah. So after a while, it started that training method started to not sit right with me, you know, just the way that, uh, some of the dogs were like, some dogs were fine and there's other dogs that it was creating issues with them, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And, uh, just didn't start sitting right with me. And, uh, the fact that we could never figure out Bane didn't sit right with me. Cause like, if you're a dog trainer, aren't you supposed to be able to train this dog Yeah, or change this dog, you know? Yeah. And so they also told me if you use food rewards, it's weak. Don't play tug with your dog, <clears throat> you know, all this kind of stuff. And so I'm on YouTube searching how to get your dog to stop lunging at you or something like that to try and figure out Bane, you know what I'm saying? And I stumbled upon, uh, upon this guy called Michael Ellis. And, uh, you know, I'm watching him with his dogs. He's playing tug. He's explaining why he's playing tug. He's using food. And I'm like, dude, this this makes sense. Yeah. I watched his, he has a full lecture on YouTube about operant conditioning and his training philosophy and all that. I'm like, this makes total sense. Yeah. So what I did was I signed up for all of Michael Ellis's, because <coughs> he has online courses you can take, signed up for all of them. Mm -hmm. Started doing them all on the side secretly. Because I knew that if the company that I worked for knew that I was watching his stuff, they would be upset. Yeah. And and tell me that it's not it's it's wrong. It's yeah. wrong. It's yeah. wrong. But I'm like, well, why is his dogs happy and doing the stuff that I want to do with my dogs and why is my dog trying to trying to get me? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't yeah. make sense. So I started to take what I was learning from Michael Ellis and incorporate it to Bane and it was working. He was making a change and I was like, This is it, dude. Mm. This is the way. Yeah, yeah. And uh so I tried to one day approach the trainer at the company that I was working for and explain, and they immediately shut me down. Mm. You don't, no, 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 yeah. no food, no tug, no, 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 doesn't make sense. This is how you do it. This is the way to do it. And so at that point, I was like, this has got it. We're done. This has got to be done. So I left that company, and that was a very bad uh separation of ways yeah you know what I'm it was saying? a bad breakup bad breakup yeah we've all had those bad breakups because they did invest a lot of time into me but then again i paid them for that yeah true. you know what i'm saying yeah and uh so anyway very bad separation and uh so i kept learning from michael ellis kept learning from michael ellis <coughs> kept starting to learn things and then i started looking for other companies to work for in charleston because i was about one to two months away from moving back. So I was coming back yeah. and now I didn't have a plan. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? My kinda, plan was gone. Yeah. It kind of fell apart. Yeah. Had to start figuring out what to do. Cause this company was supposed to start up a new, basically franchise here yeah. for me. Yeah. Yeah. So had to figure out a whole plan and, uh, eventually turned into my wife, Lauren saying, you could run a business better than anybody else. You just need to start up your own business. And I was like, I do not want to start up my own business. I do not want that on my plate. Mm -hmm. I just want to train dogs. 
I don't want to worry about any of that other stuff. Yeah. And she said, you know, basically you have to because nobody else is going to do what you want to do. Yeah. And everybody else is going to, because I'd be looking at other companies and I could <clears throat> watch their videos and could tell, oh, they're doing the old school style of training. I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So because I knew what I was looking at, they wouldn't be showing that stuff on the videos. Yeah. But I could look at the dogs and I could look at their stuff and I'd be like, that's what they're doing. You their know? body language. Yeah. Yeah. By language and uh just like two week programs i'm like i nah, i know what a two-week program is you know what i'm saying yeah 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 and so uh anyway i was like all right screw it let's do it so then we had to come up with a company name long story short we came up with canine revolution dog training some people we were talking to about it said don't do that it's an aggressive name and i was like screw it mm -hmm. you know yeah worked with you to get a logo put together got a logo put together and then we opened up the Facebook page for it a couple of weeks before I was moving back to try and get some content out there so people knew I was going to be in the area. And as soon as I did, the old company I was working for put a bunch of fake reviews. They had everybody they knew posting fake, crazy reviews on there. So I had to immediately shut it down. Yeah. And then I had to text the old owner of that business and say, hey, you know, you got people harassing me, not cool, blah, blah, blah. They said, never contact us again. Mm -hmm. this is nothing to do with us i'm like this is stupid yeah yeah you know? <laughs> yeah it's uh that's childish bro yeah you know what i'm saying it's like they're holding a grudge against you for yeah. nothing you know? i'm like i'm moving across the country and you, you know and you paid them <clears throat> and i paid them and they're uh they're trying to destroy you yeah you know so anyway got over that and uh started up another facebook page and got the socials going and there was no issues at that point yeah and I guess the guy had to end up saying to the people, like, stop. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a reasonable guy, so mm. he may not have known that's what they were doing. Mm. But uh, he must have told him to stop. So, anyway, move back here, start training dogs. I got one dog in, and it was slow going. Yeah. You know? Didn't have a lot of dogs coming in. Wasn't making <coughs> any money. Yeah. You know? trying to figure out how to start a business, trying to figure out how to run a business, mm -hmm. trying to figure out how to be in compliance as a business while trying to get dogs to train. Yeah. And, uh, you know, super slow. And basically I had six months worth of living expenses saved up. We burnt through all that trying to survive and get the business going. And there was a time when I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Yeah. But then I remember after Christmas, the first year, we started getting serious business. So that uh, first year, though, you had how, it was, many, it was how about, many dogs? It was about four months. Four months and one dog? Where it was, like, just a couple dogs. Yeah. And some of them were, like, just freebies. Yeah. Or just, super discounted just to just get Just to do it in, to get the name out just there. Just to get people in there, just to get the name out there. Yeah. And so then we started getting that regular business, so that was good. You know, we started building, and then it started getting crazy. Mm. Then it started getting wild. <laughs> and also... <laughs> what started happening? Like, not able to handle the work. You not, got a lot of requests for lot of, training. A lot of requests for training, a lot of requests for consultation, not a lot of messages all the time. I can't handle it all. Yeah. I can't do everything. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because it's just you, right? It's just me. Yeah. And we had our first kid, Addison. You know, she was born, so we had that going on. Yeah. Trying to figure out business stuff. Also, I was trying to figure out how to get a business name out there. So, literally, I was advertising everywhere. I was paying... Better Business Bureau. 
lot of people don't know that the Better Business Bureau, you have to pay them. To be a part of the program. To be a part of the accreditation or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you don't pay him, you're not accredited. It's bullshit. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> Just to get the fucking logo slapped If you pay him, there. you get the BBB accredited. Yeah, the triple B. Yeah. BS. Yeah, you know BS. The B- triple B is BS. <laughs> <laughs> so I was doing that. I was doing every newspaper, every magnet company, every whatever. A little so, uh, TV screens in the local I'm, restaurant. I'm paying all this money. Yeah. And I'm like, this stuff ain't working. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I started to realize that it ain't working. Mm. So I stopped it all. And then the one thing that was working at that time was a company called Thumbtack. Mm. Basically an app. People can look for dog training. You can respond on the app. So that's how we started getting some business going. Mm. And I'm just basically just my whole day. I wake up, go to the gym early like I didn't want to ever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because that's the time I had to go to the gym, yeah. take care of the dogs, feed them, water them, exercise them, train. I'm doing everything. You're spending all day with them. All day with them. Yeah. Then catching up on messages, this message, that, man, uh, crazy, 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 all day. Then 9 p.m. you're done for the day. Put all the dogs in their kennels, and then you go to your your bed, you wake up the next day, same thing. Yeah, you know, yeah, so. yeah. Very, uh, you know, uh, packed day. Yeah. You go to bed, you, you sleep. You wake up, you you know, pack day. Well, sometimes you wake up in the middle of the night because a dog has thrown up everywhere. Oh, yeah. And you smell it. Ugh. And, or a blowout, uh, you or, know. Or poop everywhere. Diarrhea something. Diarrhea there. everywhere. You clean it. You know what I'm or, saying? Or uh, your little scratching on the wall. Scratching on the little wall. JoJo. Ben's dog, JoJo. I took her in. <laughs> she was a dog that didn't have a home, so I took her in to train her to hopefully get her adopted. <laughs> and she scratched a huge hole in the wall. <laughs> Stuck her arm right through the kennel all night and dug a hole in the wall. <laughs> and the, uh, did you didn't own the home? It was a rental. It was a rental. And yeah. you, you carved a big old hole in the wall. Mm-hmm. Turns out to this day she's still a mischievous little I girl. It. I yeah. attached that hole. <laughs> so anyway, did all that and the business kind of got super crazy. So I was like, I got to figure out how to grow this thing, how to expand this thing, because it's not sustainable for one person to yeah. do all this forever. Right. You know. Yeah. So I was like, first thing I got to figure out is we got so much business coming in, I probably need to find another trainer. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I was trying to talk Chris into leaving law enforcement, Yeah, you know, to train with me because I was working with him and his dog on the side. So had many meetings with Chris and his wife, Kelly, talking about finances, yeah. what the finances would look like, talk about what the work would look like, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. So... Chris came on board and uh, trained him up. And in his training, there was struggle. <laughs> I was struggling as an instructor. Yeah. And I think he was struggling as a learner. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I didn't really know how to teach at that point. And I just kind of had these expectations that, hey, what are you doing? This is what yeah. you're doing, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm glad that he stuck with it because there was times where he, he could have just thrown in the towel and said, this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And there was ridiculous parts to it. Yeah. Because, again, I was trying to figure out how to be an instructor and run a business and operate and be a husband. And, yeah, yeah, the family on the the side, too. Family on the side, yeah. So then we started training, or then we hired, uh, I think maybe you were the owner. We hired uh, a couple Mm -hmm. guys to help take out dogs. Mm -hmm. At the time, we called them kennel caretakers. Yeah. And they would come in the morning, help us feed the dogs and take them out. Then they would come in the evening, help feed the dogs, take them out. And uh, then we hired you mm-hmm. to start doing some production stuff. Mm-hmm. 
and then uh we just kind of grew from there and we formed a uh, apprenticeship program to train new trainers and we had a couple people start that and then they figured out i don't really want to be a dog trainer because some of these dogs are hard to work with Mm -hmm. they're not all fluffy and nice yeah (laughs) and then kevin reached out to me and was talking to me about being a trainer i said hey let's let's have you come over so he came over showed him everything and he said i want to do it so then kevin went through i was trying to again figure out the apprenticeship process at that point i also took a short break and went to the michael ellis school (coughs) myself so I flew out to California and did some courses with Michael Ellis face-to-face instead of just online. Yeah. Came back, still trying to figure the business out, you know, trying to figure out how to make everything run. We got you doing production stuff. We got Kevin trying to be an apprentice. We got Chris training. You know, he's pretty much good to go at that point. Yeah. And uh, we just kept expanding, expanding. And this whole time we're operating – and a rental house in a neighborhood. Yeah. And now it's starting to get to the point there's there's lot lots of, of dogs. A lot of dogs, a lot of noise. There's lots of noise. Yeah. And thank God Scott and Dave are good to go <laughs> as the neighbors. Yeah. Because they could have been super upset. Neighbors on both with sides. All that noise and dog poop coming through there. Oh, man. A lot of traffic, too. <laughs> yeah. A lot, of, a lot of people walking, of, you know, a lot people of dogs visiting. walking and people visiting. We were starting to fill that cul de sac up yeah. with cars. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, we were like, we got to move out of here. We got to have our own place. We got to have open space. So we were like, we need a property. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So anyway, long long story short, we were able to find a property that's just 30 minutes outside of the Somerville area. So it is a little bit of a drive, but it's for us, it's not that bad. And uh, for us, it's good to be out here because it's good for the dogs to learn the foundation in a calmer area, then go into the city and the town and yeah. the the social areas to learn that stuff you know what i'm saying yeah they already got the the basics down so we kind of grew out here and then continuing to develop continuing to learn but uh just wanted to talk real quick about you know kind of our setup i talked about when i started the business it was me you Mm -hmm. know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. waking up taking the dogs out training them exercising them feeding them watering them the day's gone fast yeah. it goes flies by bro there's messages yeah. there's emails there's texts there's phone calls it's extremely difficult to run that business model as one person so that's when i had to start thinking outside the box and uh i think there's some other businesses around the country that are doing something similar to what we do now but basically we have a staff we have trainers and they are responsible for the actual training of the dog and then the training of the people you know what i'm saying the dog's owners that's the hard part that's the hard part <laughs> then we have what we call training assistants which are responsible for feeding watering uh you know exercise training maintenance just kind of daily what we call kennel operations which are all the things that go in and out throughout the day in a kennel setting right yeah And that kind of splits up the responsibilities because the trainers, if they're doing all this stuff, (laughs) it's not going to give that dog what they need throughout the day. But if you have multiple people doing it throughout the day, it's giving the dog the best thing or the best experience possible. And it's kind of spreading out the responsibilities. Mm -hmm. So that's one one of the reasons why 
Canine Revolution Dog Training is set up as a superior, premier board and train training program versus another training company that's one or two people doing it because they're getting burnt out and they're not able to keep up the pace with what these dogs need, especially when you're dealing with some challenging dogs. Yeah. Dogs that if you make a wrong move, you know, they'll be all over you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So spreading out the responsibilities helps with that. <clears throat> also, we have Ben running the production and the socials, basically. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that helps because if you if you don't have that, then you're trying to do that yourself too. And then we have Dawn right now as our admin, you know, and she's doing a great job, you know, and she's coordinating with people every day, texting, calling, emailing, getting the contracts, setting up reservations and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, that just takes a lot of time back and forth too, you know, and she does a superior job at that. So setting up different responsibilities, something else we did overall recently as we created a new position op- operations assistant which is helping to manage the kennel and training assistant schedules and all that kind of stuff and ashley's our operations assistant and she does a great job with that too you know what i'm saying so separating the responsibilities everybody having uh you know a different thing that they're focused on gives the dog the best experience possible gives the owners the best experience possible and it makes us superior to other board and train programs you yeah. know what i'm saying yeah and like i said i think there are other companies across the country that has something like this set up going on but it's super hard to to keep this thing going yeah you know because we might have a training assistant uh that decides to leave or another position that decides to leave and that's fine we can cover down but then we have to fill that position train that position also the payroll costs are more expensive than if you're just doing it yourself so a lot of people don't want to pay the money for that you're paying higher taxes you have different types of insurance you have to so the problem of operating a larger business and it's still a small business it's not a large business but you know managing and operating 21 people instead of one to two people <clears throat> it, it's a lot yeah you know what I'm saying? a lot of logistics a lot. to go along a lot of logistics it. a lot of challenges so yeah. um you know i think that's what makes us better than most boarding trains and makes us superior you know what i'm saying yeah the other thing that makes us superior is our training philosophy and this is kind of adjusted as time has gone on and we've learned more and we're always learning but the foundation of what we do is based on the Michael Ellis training philosophy. But basically what we do is we build up a foundation with the dog through engagement and through food rewards. And then once that foundation of training is built and developed, then we start to fade away (coughs) or take away the food rewards and teach that dog that, Hey, even though there's no actual food present, we still have to do these behaviors. And then on top of that, we teach them about, corrections or accountability if behaviors are disobeyed and then we generalize that and socialize the dogs so they know that no matter where they go or what's going on around them those behaviors are still expected yeah so that is a very basic 
understanding of our philosophy and maybe I'll go into more detail in a future podcast, you know, but again, the most important piece is that foundation. If you don't have a proper foundation set, you're not going to be able to go forward from there. If you don't have engagement set, true engagement where the dog wants to learn from you, wants to be with you, you're not going to be able to teach it properly as you progress. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, and then we also have another philosophy for training the owners, trying to baby step it for them to keep it <coughs> as simple as possible so they can be as successful as possible at home too. Yeah. Because dogs are living, breathing beings. You know what I'm saying? So every day could be different and they're not all going to respond the same, you know, and they might be perfect for one owner and the other owner may be struggling. So what are the differences? What's going on? Well, that's something that we have to troubleshoot and figure out. And that's something that our team is specialized in training and doing, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So over time we've, we've adjusted things. We're always adapting. We're always adjusting. We're always trying to get better, stronger as a team yeah right mm -hmm. more efficient right safer one thing i always tell our whole team when we do team trainings or whenever i'm meeting with people individually you got to have the dog's best interest in mind you know so if you're out with a dog you got to have that dog's best interest in mind are you doing something that has that dog's best interest in mind or not you got to have your teammates best interest in mind so if you're on shift with two other people right are you doing things that has their best interest in mind? Do you have the dog owner's best interest in mind? That dog is here to train, to learn, to be rehabilitated, right, to develop. Are we doing everything possible to get that dog on to the path of success, yeah. right, mm -hmm. and help it going forward, right? Yeah. Um, and do we have our whole team's best interest in mind? So are we acting and behaving respectfully, professionally, right? completing the mission so yeah that is what i tell everybody you know what i'm saying that's something that we have to constantly be reminded of and just understand that every situation is different every dog is different something that works for one dog may not work for another so that's why our trainers go through an extensive <coughs> apprenticeship process where phase by phase piece by piece they are taught how to train dogs, how to handle different situations, how to train people, how to read people, how to adjust to people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. So like the apprenticeship process starts out with just learning our basic kennel operations from a training assistant perspective. So the apprentice is going to work as a training uh, assistant to learn those types of operations and those responsibilities, which is the foundation for training. Yeah. Just like with the dog, if we can't proceed into more advanced or precise training we can't do that without having a foundation mm -hmm. and a trainer can't do that without having a foundation of our operation as well yeah after that they learn uh basically fundamentals of training so they're going to be learning learning theory operant conditioning classical conditioning things that i was not taught when i originally went through a program with the training company mm -hmm. right yeah these are things that i had to discover on my own thankfully michael ellis has uh opportunities for you to learn those and he goes through them in all of his courses you know and then we learn body language we learn uh you know personality traits and then we start training dogs then we start training people and it's not the the level the superior level and premier level of training that we provide is not for everybody 
We've had a lot of people come through that, that want to be a dog trainer, that think they want to be a dog trainer, and they don't end up making it through the apprenticeship process, and they're all good people. You know, some of them don't like me anymore, <laughs> you yeah. know. Uh, that's just the way it is. But we have a standard that we have to keep and meet. And when a client comes to Canine Revolution Dog Training and signs up with us and goes through our training programs, we have a standard yeah. of quality that we have to meet. Yeah. And we're going to be with that person for life to make sure that them and their dog are set up for success and are going to be successful as long as they're willing to follow the protocols and put in the work that they need to put in because yeah. we're going to put in our work. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so there are people that come through and uh, they think they want to be a trainer, but they don't end up making it a certification because maybe the level of dogs that we're training is too intense. You know, when you've got a super reactive dog, you know, that weighs on you. You know what I'm saying? You're responsible for that dog. Yeah. You know? Uh, Plus the other dogs with other personalities. Right. Right? You could have one dog that's, uh, hey, this dog's a little bit reactive to other dogs, like uh, maybe attacking other dogs or won't pay attention to anything else when they see another dog or a person or whatever. And then you got uh, this other dog in the kennel right now, super scared of everything. Totally it's different. Per- yeah. yeah. T- totally different personality switch up. So then you got to switch up your mindset. You have to switch up your mindset. You have to switch up your training style. <clears throat> and you have to do dog. it very quickly because very quickly. uh you're swapping one dog you're taking one dog in after training you're taking the next dog out but you have to adapt right. that fast you know also time management yeah so it's not just about training dogs but can you manage the time you have can you be efficient yeah can you manage that time to get the job completed with the dog's best interest in mind with your teammates best interest in mind with the dog owner's best interest in mind yeah with yeah. our overall team's best interest in mind. Yeah, like, are you going to put the hours in if the dog is maybe struggling one day? Are you going to stay all day until you get some good reps in with that dog? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Or are you going to throw the towel in early? Well, this dog ain't working with me today. I guess I'm going to go home. Right. Like, that's not. There's so uh, many factors yeah, that there go is. into every different case so that sometimes shuts some people down. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But also there have been people that want to be dog trainers where we tell them, hey, this is the end of the road right here. We're going to have to cut you off because maybe there's bad decision-making. Maybe there's liability issues. Maybe there's other things, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But what we are going to do if you're an apprentice is try our best to train you to be able to perform your duties, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to do everything we can. Yeah. We're going to put in extra time to train you. But you've also got to be putting in everything you got too. Mm-hmm. And the apprenticeship is you know, generally going to be more work than when you're certified because there's a there's a learning curve we got to get through you mm-hmm. know what i'm saying yeah, you definitely got to put the time in but once we get there we're good to go yeah you know what i'm saying it's so. like running up a hill yeah once you get to the top of that hill once you pass that level yeah you know once you uh finish grinding yeah. you know the grind never stops but once you get to that pinnacle point yeah. you know the rest is downhill easy to go because you already know what to expect right you know what i'm saying but the learning never stops either so one of the things yeah. we do is continue development <clears throat> for all of our trainers you know eat you know and i'm not trying to say i'm a master or whatever but i'm learning too i got a yeah. lot of stuff to learn yeah there's a lot of dogs that i train even today i'm still obviously still training and uh they're teaching me things still yeah you know and i'm learning new things and i'm ready to develop and ready to get after it yeah i'm learning things from how to run a business. I'm learning things from how to advertise as a business, you know, cause again, things get challenging. 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There's competition out there. So how are you are you must adapt and adjust what you're doing. It's not just dog training, right? Right. You got to grow the business. You got mouths to feed. You got people right. you got to pay. You know, people are relying on you know well, you as thing. you as a business owner. That's what. Know? That's another thing that makes Canine Revolution superior is because of our separate responsibilities. You know, the trainers here they get to focus on training and customers and that kind of thing they don't have to worry about business yeah that's my responsibility yeah now i will get their input i will get anybody's input you know what i'm saying i'll ask hey trainers this is something i'm thinking about what do you think mm-hmm. hey ben this is something i'm thinking about what do you think yeah hey don this is something i'm thinking about what do you think right ashley everybody because the team needs to have input on things but in the end there have to be certain businesses decisions that are made for the business, yeah. you know, and those rest on me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, but talking about running a business, it's, it's super challenging, especially with a dog business and anybody that's out there running a dog business or a boarding kennel, you know, cause those are big, you know, there's boarding mm-hmm. kennels everywhere. Yeah. Um, dogs are on all the time. You can't turn them off like you can a lawnmower if you're yeah. in a, a lawn business. You know what I'm saying? Yep. They got to poop. They got to pee. They got to eat. They got to be cleaned, right? They got to have exercise. They got to have training. You know what I'm saying? Maybe they throw up in their kennel. Yeah. Got to deal with that now. Got to clean it up. So yeah. that's one of the challenges is, you know, with a dog business <clears throat> where you have dogs on site, they're there 24-7, 365. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you got to have manpower to be able to handle that. And that gets expensive from a budgeting perspective. You know, I'm not saying that as a bad thing. It's a good thing. Yeah. Right. It's a good thing to have good manpower. Right. Uh, But you got to balance a budget as a dog business owner. Right. Mm -hmm. You got to balance your payroll. You got to plan out your growth. You know what I'm saying? You got to pay your people as best as you can, but not overdo it. I've done that before. You know what I'm saying? And my business advisors, like my accountant and, other business advisors like, Hey, you might be paying a little bit too much. You know, it's like, well, these people are, are getting after it. Yeah. So they deserve the pay. You know, the business might not be making as much of a profit, but to me it's worth it to try and pay them as best as possible, you know? Mm -hmm. So sometimes that comes and goes and you learn as you go through there, you also got to make decisions sometimes, uh, that might be a, a difficult decision. You know, one of the hardest things to do as a business owner is making a decision if you have to let somebody go. Yeah. That's a super hard decision. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, and I've had to do it and it's never a, uh, enjoyable thing to do. And you know, it causes anxiety and stress, but it's one of those things that has to be done. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And you have to hold your standard. But yeah. with that being said, have you done everything possible to try and help that person, to try and train that person. You know what I'm saying? So that's something you have to consider. And uh, one of the things I'll say is everybody knows I, I, I like Jocko, right? <laughs> yeah. But when I started this business in 2017, <coughs> I stumbled upon his podcast, uh, browsing podcast one day, and he had just recently started up his podcast, I believe. And uh, a lot of what he was uh, teaching on his podcast resonated with me as a new business owner and someone that was trying to lead dog owners and lead employees. And I've not made every decision the best, 
right? I've not treated everybody the best, but I'm trying to learn. And I think that I have developed over time. Um, but Jocko has helped me with a lot of things. And again, with his, with his, uh, kind of mantra of extreme ownership, you know, have I done everything to the best of my ability to try and help this person? Or am I just taking the easy road and letting them go? Yeah. Right. In those scenarios where that has to be done. Right. I'm trying to do everything I can to maximize what someone might be doing or training them to the best of my ability or setting them up for the most success as much as possible. I might be burning myself out trying to do it. I'm trying to give everything I got before I have to make that call. And the people that I've had to do that to, they might not see it from that perspective, but I've literally done everything I can to try and get to that, make sure I've done everything I can to help them before I have to make that call. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but there are times where I might've reacted to a scenario more intensely than I should have. And that another concept that Jocko teaches detaching, stepping back before you react to something <coughs> is something that I've tried to hone in on in the past year or so. And I think I've got it pretty good now, but it used to be where if something uh, you know, it's not an emergency. I don't need to step in right then and there. But if I see something that isn't right, you know, I would jump right on that person. Kind of the old school yeah. mentality. Yeah. And uh, I've done a, I think I've done a pretty good job <laughs> of stepping back, detaching, coming back later to address that if it needs to be addressed. Or if it's not that big of a deal, maybe it's okay to let it go this time. Right. But if it is a safety scenario or a danger scenario i'm going to step in right then and there yeah and sometimes i might come in a little intense my personality tends to be a little bit intense overall i'm trying to tune that back and and have that calm confident relaxed demeanor at all times you know right. what i'm saying yeah. so we're all humans we're not perfect so if you're listening to this your boss is not perfect right your uh business partner is not perfect your employees are not we're, none of us are perfect but can we try to work together and help each other to get to where we need to go? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Kind yeah. of my thoughts on that, yeah. you know. But running a business, super difficult. Managing people, super difficult. You know, Jocko's message has really resonated to me. I know other people have other influencers or, or leaders out there that they listen to or pay attention to. Maybe someone's listening to this and we're able to help them. That's kind of one of our goals is to be able to help people. Right. So yeah, just uh, one of the things, and I think that's the good thing about social media mm -hmm. is that it allows you to listen or receive information from someone like Jocko to me, <clears throat> and I don't want to keep talking about Jocko. There's other people too, um, but you know, people that you can listen to that you would otherwise not be able to be connected to. Yeah, you right. Know? Mm -hmm. If there was no social media, no podcast, I would never hear. Jocko's message and it would never help me to continue to push myself to develop. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um someone else, another influencer, and you're gonna laugh at this one, Seth Furiosi. Yeah, yeah. Bodybuilder guy. Yeah, yeah. I like his workouts. I don't really do them that much anymore. But right. one thing he says is that you don't have problems. You only have work to do. Yeah. And that resonated with me. You think you have a problem, you don't really have a problem. You have more work to do. Right. Mm -hmm. If there's something going on where you mismanaged your budget from a business perspective, that's not a problem. 
let's find a workaround. Let's find work. You know, we got to find work to help make this right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We got a dog that's not on the program because it's struggling. That's not a problem. That just means we got we got more work to do to solve this problem. Yeah. So Seth Furiosi's message from that perspective really resonated with me. And there's a bunch of other influencers, influencers that I follow um, from different aspects of life that help to resonate with me. But you would not be able to get that information, uh, you know, otherwise. Yeah. So a couple of them that I listen to, in case anyone's wondering, obviously Jocko for business and leadership. You know, he kind of stands out to me with that. Mm-hmm. Um, we got Patrick Bet David with uh, Valuetainment. You know, he's very, when I was starting up trying to figure out business, he's got a ton of videos about entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. So that kind of helped me yeah. start thinking on a different level, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Seth Furiosi from the workout perspective, but also the just the mentality of not having problems, but just having work mm-hmm. to do to solve problems. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Uh, Lane Norton for nutrition, mm-hmm. you know, Peter Atia for longevity, you know, all these types of people. Um, Juji Mufu. Oh, yeah. Flexibility. Oh, yeah. Strength. Power. Funny guy. <laughs> Funny guy. Knows what he's talking but about. Good though. information. Knows what he's talking about. Good information. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. just a couple people that I pay attention to, NFQ. Yeah. Good. Good company. Good motivation to, to keep the press on. You know Shout out to Tyler Watkins. Tyler Watkins, you know. So, anyway, just a couple people I pay attention to. You might want to look them up. Maybe, maybe not. Um, I usually follow their content on Instagram. Yeah. But, again, just stuff to keep your mind right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You want to keep your mind right if you follow people or you, you know, you pay attention to people that are at a level that you want to achieve or at a level where you can help to push you further versus drag you down. You know what I'm saying? I think that will help you get on the road, on the path. You got to keep the stuff in your head because if you just leave yourself to your own human nature, you're going to want to go to the easiest path possible, which is not the path you need to be taking all the time. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely, man. Yeah. Also being around you guys, you know, talking about our team. I just want to take a second to thank every single member of our team, even past members of our team for what they've done for the revolution. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? First of all, Lauren, you know, my wife, she's the one that told me to start a business. And she's been with me, dealing with me, <laughs> uh, doing this stuff yeah. nonstop mm-hmm. since we started. All the and, barking dogs and, and all that. <laughs> barking dogs, but there's been times where she has said, you know, like, hey, you're working too much. Yeah. She's had to reel me in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I've mm-hmm. tried to reel in sometimes. <laughs> sometimes they get a little crazy. The motor going, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, Chris, you know, he's uh, obviously grew up with him. We talked about some of our stories together <clears throat> on his episode. But, you know, he pushes me, challenges me if I'm like, oh, well, uh, maybe, well, I'm the one that gets up early. We know Chris <laughs> sleeps in these days. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a newborn boy. Give him a break. <laughs> but, you know, there's been times where I'm like, well, I might not do this or that. But I'm like, hey, Chris is out there doing it, so I got to go do it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or you, you know, pushing on the, on the, you know, we, me and you have developed a lot with our current goals and our current mm-hmm. business situation. But a lot, a lot of, whenever we were starting the socials and all that, yeah. we were working together. Now it's just you taking it all off. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Leading the charge, pushing us, developing us, you know, Kevin pushing it, 
yeah. developing us, having that really good customer communication. Oh, yeah. I know it's hard for him sometimes. <laughs> he's a specialist, boys. He's a specialist, and <laughs> he's also the coldest stone face guy in our company. And he's the he's the he's the client people, client yeah, specialist. People, people love talking to Kevin, <laughs> yeah. and he'll stand there with his glasses on. If you know Kevin, you know his glasses. But yeah. he'll stand there. And not look happy, and people will walk past me and Chris to go straight to Kevin. <laughs> you know, to talk we don't. To him. We still haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, also, just challenging our mentalities. Mm-hmm. You know, what I'm saying we got Lexi, who's a badass dog trainer. Yeah. You know, and uh, she's the most recent one to go through our apprenticeship. But it's been almost over a year mm-hmm. of her being a fully certified dog trainer, and she's just getting after it every mm-hmm. freaking day. Mm-hmm. You know, sun up to sundown, ready to rock and roll. Yeah handling people handling their dogs you know taking care of business you're like good to go mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying yeah then we have don who's our admin good to go oh yeah you crushing know? it crushing it mm-hmm. following up getting uh client communications done getting the contracts in getting the phone calls done she pushed to get on the phone calls mm-hmm. you know we were like hey maybe the maybe adding the phone to your responsibilities is too much she's like nope i want it mm you know, so she's pushing the limit. Go get her. Getting things done. Go get her. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And uh, she has a background, too, of service. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Her family. Um, yeah. Not going to go into details on that. But then we have Ashley, who's our operations assistant. Again, running the kennel operations. Definitely managing that. Managing our inventory. You know, training up our, our new training assistants. And also doing reoccurring training and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So she gets after it all the time too, and she's ready to to put in the extra hours if needed. Yeah, <laughs> you know, crushing it. Then we have a bunch of training assistants. You know, I'm not going to name them all out, but the ones that have been here the longest, you know, Keegan, mm-hmm. Emily. You know, what I'm saying we had Sarah who just left recently, right? But uh, you know, they've been here for a while, and the reason why Sarah left is because her husband got or her uh, significant other got uh stationed somewhere else he's in the navy yeah you know we got cassidy her husband's getting transferred so she's departing soon but we have a number of of new training assistants in training Mm -hmm. we've got a number of them that have been around for a while getting after it doing the hard work you know there was a time when well i think it was during covid when we were undermanned yeah and everybody you Mm mm-hmm Kelly, yep. Lauren, Chris, <laughs> We're all Kevin, pulling shifts. Ashley, Keegan, Emily, Sarah, pulling pulling long hours to take care of the dogs. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. It's a so team I just mindset. Shout out to the whole team. Shout out to everybody at Canine Revolution. Whether you're on staff, right, as a team member, whether you've been a team member before, or whether you're an alumni. Whether you're a future alumni, you're waiting for your training spot. Could just watch the videos. Or if you're just a supporter listening to the podcast or watching our YouTube videos, we hope that this content helps you. And we're honored to have the uh, support base that we have. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And we made the decision earlier this year to kind of separate the podcast from the rest of the Canine Revolution stuff because it was kind of just going a little out of control yeah again a little, a little too uncategorized they got uncategorized from just strictly dog training which yeah. we're we're reeling it back in and do more dog training topics but we've covered a large variety of topics shout out to all the special guests that we've had yep Been you know, meet a lot of cool people a lot of cool people mm-hmm. we've had the opportunity to learn from and listen to and talk to and we have more people lined up you know and being a veteran myself it's very important to me to continue to 
talk to veterans and get veteran stories out there. Yeah. And uh, talk to people that I think will help us and help other people, such as people in the fitness industry. Mm-hmm. You know, we had Heather, two Heathers. Yeah, two Heathers. Heather Black, on. Heather Foss. Yep. You know, Tyler Watkins, CrossFit mm-hmm. athlete, yeah. NFQ athlete, Mark McGirt, you mm-hmm. know, owner of McGirt Strength. Yeah. You know, that dude's legit. Yep. And uh, they're all legit. They're all, every single one of them. Doc Anthony, he's a chiropractor, but also a CWP and defensive pistol instructor mm-hmm. we talked about on one of our podcasts uh mass shootings and why they happen yeah case studies that was four or five hour podcast with lots of detailed information yep i think people need to know about and since that podcast uh we've taken action ourselves mm-hmm. to enter into a new realm you know we've trained uh pistol defense extensively yeah you know i was on the boarding team so I went through extensive training with uh, rifle and pistol tactics, mm-hmm. room clearing. Chris was on SWAT team. Kevin was in corrections. But I haven't trained jujitsu or martial arts for a while. I did it when I was with the Marines. Super important. Yeah. And recently, since that podcast, we've taken action to train again mm-hmm. as a team. Yeah. Uh, with the white at Black Force MMA, and hopefully we're going to get him on the podcast soon. But that dude is freaking legit. <laughs> yeah, he's Navy veteran. That dude. If you you need to get involved with Black Force MMA if you're in the Somerville or Charleston area, because it's not only going to help you build confidence, but it's going to help you condition your body and teach you how to use your body as a defensive tool if you need to. Yeah. And in today's world, you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You need to be ready. And yes, you could have a CWP, you know, with a pistol, but that might not be the right choice. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you need to have every option available to you. And what the white's teaching down there is legit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That dude, dude yeah. dude's a badass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's hardcore, boys. Yeah, he so, is a, he's a real deal. So through the podcast, we're able to reach out and interact with these people and share some stories and share information that hopefully impacts the listener as much as it's impacting us. Mm -hmm. And the other thing, too, is don't wait for tomorrow to do what you can do today. We waited too long to get involved with Black Force MMA, Mm -hmm. but we we took the step. It's time to stop putting off to tomorrow what we can do today. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So that is a challenge to you, the listener. It's the challenge that we challenge our team to every day, you know, take care of things that you need to take care of, right? Have your dog's best interest in mind. Have your team member's best interest in mind. Have your family's best interest in mind, right? And do what you need to do. So not trying to go off on a tangent. I hope that my story has uh, impacted somebody in a good way. I never thought that I'd go from you know, being on the swim team, the football team to being a dog trainer. Yeah. You know, I never thought that I would not be in the Navy for 20 or 30 years Mm -hmm. and be a dog trainer. Yeah. I'm a dog trainer. I have a degree in civil and environmental engineering. You heard that story. I struggled. Yeah. I fought hard to get that degree. Yep. In those academic uh, buildings, you know, academic struggle. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, I've spent a lot of time at the Citadel and in the Navy not sleeping to get things done, mm-hmm. you know. But sleep needs to be a priority. Yeah. You know, I get about six and a half to seven hours of sleep most days. 
I usually sleep eight hours, one or two days a week, and that works for me. Yeah. But I would say six to eight hours is what most people need. If you're getting less than that, you know, look at your routine, look at your habits. We're going to be talking about health and fitness protocols in an upcoming podcast, but sleep is so important for your body's recovery. Proper nutrition is so important for your body's recovery. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to go off on a tangent, but I hope that what we've talked about today has impacted somebody out there. And you know what? If people say you can't do something, do it if you want to. Yeah. Because I had people when I was starting up this business, Canine Revolution, say dog training, not a good idea. Mm -hmm. Starting your own business, it's risky. Yes, it is risky. Yes, it is hard. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be easy. The extra mile is often lonely. There's not a lot of people that want to push themselves to the extra mile. The hard workers, you know, I go to the gym at 4.30 in the morning. I get up at 3.30. I'm not saying you need to do that. But there's people in the gym that are there routinely with me at 4.30 in the morning. These people are freaking ready to get after it, dude. Yeah. There's people that show up for maybe a week and then they stop coming. Yeah. Because it's hard. Yeah. But the people that are there routinely, they're ready to freaking get after it mm -hmm. and put in the hard work. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not saying that everybody has to do that. But don't put off to tomorrow what you can do today. Manage your time efficiently. Get what you need to get done. If you have a goal, get after it. Why do I get up early and work out? Number one, because I think I'd go psycho if I wasn't able to lift some heavy weights. <laughs> yeah. You know, I just love pumping iron. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's just something I love to do. Yeah. But uh, also, you know, it just gets my day going. You know what I'm saying? If I don't work out in the morning, I feel more sluggish than I do if I do, mm -hmm. you know, but maybe someone likes working out in the afternoon. I'm not saying you got to do it the same way I do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I took my dogs on vacation recently. You know, a lot of people don't do that. That's, that's their thing, you know, but take your dogs, walk them, do that routine. Mm -hmm. That's all you got to do. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So whatever you want to do, go do it. Don't let something stop you. You can find a way to accomplish your goals. You can find a way to accomplish what you need to accomplish just be ready to put in the work be ready to have some discipline you know and like seth says you don't have problems you just have more work to do you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. so that's going to wrap it up just want to take a minute <coughs> to say that pack talk podcast is sponsored by canine revolution dog training canine revolution dog training is funding uh everything we have to fund for the podcast you know but if you do want to support the podcast, one of the things that you can do is support through Canine Revolution Apparel or Canine Revolution Dog Training. So if you need some dog training, you can let us know. We train dogs from all over the country. We have dogs from Massachusetts with us right now. We had dogs from Ohio recently. We have people reaching out to us from California trying to coordinate training. So doesn't matter where you are. We will help you, right? We'll help you get what you need taken care of. We are located in Somerville, South Carolina area, but we train from all over the country. So wherever you're at, it's not a factor. You can join the revolution. We can help you achieve your goals. So that's one way you can help this podcast. The other way is by going on to our links that we're going to put in the description and it'll take you to Amazon. You can get a canine revolution apparel t-shirt. You can get a good to go shirt. Good to go. If you want to be good to go. And support the podcast. We got oh, some yeah. more shirts coming out. Oh, yeah. Guineas. Get a beanie.
beanies. It's oh, yeah. beanie season. And hoodie season. Yep. It's cold. It's cold. We got multiple hoodies. Multiple hoodies. For sale. Yes. And uh, you can also support. Just drop a five-star review on the podcast. That's if you right. listen on Apple Podcasts, the five-star review is going to help us get into the algorithm a little bit more. It helps us get into the algorithm. It helps us reach new people, get the message out there. So if you've been listening for more than two weeks, drop a five-star review. Why not? (laughs) It's super easy. That's right. Drop it on Apple. (laughs) Drop it on Spotify or wherever you listen. And, uh, yeah. The other thing is, uh, you know, we talked about Jocko, but the thing that I like about Origin USA and Jocko Fuel is that it's made in America. And this is something that Jocko is pushing to do is get manufacturing back into America. So their products are sourced in America and made in America. They don't have items sourced from other places. Uh, so if you want to support that, you can go to originmain.com, Origin USA on Google, Jocko Fuel on Google. You can use the promo code SINGER101. That'll get you 10% off. But the other thing, too, is the products are just outstanding, you know, so... That's what we got right here. We got the pink mist, the Jocko Go. We got the Delta 68s on. You got yours on. I got mine on. I got my Walmart pants on. Not good to go. <laughs> Not good to go. No, but I am drinking my pink mist Jocko. Good to go. So we're trying to support America, trying to bring manufacturing back into America. And uh, so you guys can do that as well. Also, if you want to follow me or Ben on Instagram, Ben is at Big Boy Java. Big Boy Java. Big Boy dot Java. I'm at chad.singer13. Also, we should probably get into the Twitter game because Elon Musk took over. <laughs> I've been monitoring Elon's, uh, uh, you know, he his activity. Trump he brought Trump He back. did. It's been kind of a of a fire on Twitter. <laughs> Just uh, everything is a little chaotic, yeah. but uh, it's definitely booming. Twitter's booming. Settle right out. Also, Canine Revolution on TikTok. Canine Revolution oh, Dog yeah. Training on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Canine Revolution Dog Training on Instagram and Facebook. Yep, right? yep, yep can follow all that stuff but again to the listener thank you guys we've been blown away by the support we've got people reaching out if you're a dog trainer and you need some consulting you can reach out right we will help you uh think through some things uh about whatever you're trying to work through troubleshoot right any issues you got going on troubleshoot some dogs you're working on troubleshoot business right We're looking for advice too. yeah yep. so anyway thank you guys Hopefully you took something away from this podcast. We're looking forward to more coming out. And until next time, out.